Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. This is the Hagman and Hagman Report, or the Hagman Report for short for today. It is Wednesday, April 11th, 2018. Doug Hagman, Joe Hagman together, something I like to call America's premier father-son investigative reporting team. Thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, back, back in the saddle. Uh, woke up in Washington, D.C. this morning in the belly of the beast, the swamp, and back now in studio. So, uh, full day. The last, uh, last really three days have just been, a. a just slamming one i would just welcome everyone to the show uh want to thank you for your belief and trust in us uh i don't know how many people caught the alex jones uh, infowars press conference when was that tuesday i believe it was yeah tuesday yes yesterday yeah yesterday the days run together 16 hour days yes, so three more. days yeah yeah um yeah uh, uh boy i i can i wow all I, i've got to say is wow um the uh, I, I don't I don't know where to begin. I, but perhaps I'll, I'll give you just a brief debriefing of that, and, and then the the news, of course, um, is the Syrian well the impending World War Three. But I want to urge everyone: take a breath, take a breath, just take a breath, because in in warfare and in other things. It, Especially in warfare, it, everything is not what it seems. Okay, so just everyone just take a deep breath, but realize, you know, it, there are things happening. But take a breath. Be, before people say, it's imminent, it's, we're going to war, we're going to war. Take a breath. Fear not. Um, the uh, a number of things because I I did have the opportunity when I was in Washington to sit down with uh, a number of people. Um, I mean, a number of people uh, from Jones himself to uh, um, Dr. Jerome Corsi and others. But Pasovic, you get the uh, oh yeah, Pasovic. yeah, Jack Pasovic, and uh, spent some time with Alicia Powell. Oh my goodness, uh, yeah, that'd be cool. What a what a what an incredible uh, mind that she's got. Um, just a number of people, but uh, what, here's what I'm going to do. Um, uh, I'm, I'm going to give you the briefing, uh, just kind of a verbal overview to start out with, because it's important domestically. It's important it, because all of these things, believe it or not, fit together. The censorship, which is what the the uh, news conference was about, the censorship. And that ties in with the assault on the Second Amendment. So the First and Second Amendments in the crosshairs of the globalists. That's what the, this is all about. You gotta look at the bigger picture. And then of course the other part of this, closely tied into that, you've got the chaos being sowed by the Mueller team and the globalists against Donald Trump. Keep that in mind. And we talked about the, yeah, the, the, the uh, unconstitutional, I'm calling it unconstitutional raid on attorney Michael Cohen's offices 
Uh, we have learned a little bit more about the reasons behind that. And Sean Hannity and Sarah Carter today were reporting that it was to gain access to the Access Hollywood tape, which brings no, even no, more no, troubling no. questions. Hold, hold on a second. We, we have an issue here. Um, I don't know. I, hopefully the, the audio is going out. The video, it says video is unavailable. Are you putting putting feed to the video? By the way, Eric. Yeah, I'll check the uh, okay. I'll check the channel right now. It should be uh, Eric, Eric, Eric the Tech and, and, and I. We, we traveled to DC. We were there for for uh, right up till this afternoon. We got back this afternoon. Went uh, came right into the studio, and uh, but so Joe is actually doing Eric the Tech's job while he's out doing something else. Um, so if you're having trouble, it's okay, audio the, only. Uh, it's yeah, it's audio only. It's audio only. It's just so everyone knows. But nonetheless, there should be kind of a uh, a static image on the on the screen for YouTube. Yep, it's coming through. All right, all right. The audio's good. We're good there. We're we're broadcasting, simulcasting on Global Star, BTR, as well as YouTube. YouTube has got a problem with the video, so no worries. All right, so just stick with us. But but I've got some inside information, and I I don't say this so lightly. Say. No, no, I don't say this lightly. No, I, uh, I do have some inside information about what's taking place, and everything seems to be related. Just remember, if and I was thinking about this coming back, and Eric and I were talking about this and attempting to really get to the bottom of this. Um, what order do we take this? You've got the attack on the First and Second Amendments, and you've got various incidents taking place here in America that are fueling the attacks on our civil rights. Those those against the conservatives and the Christians. By the way, maybe I'll go off script here and just say, you know, everything is not what it seems out there. You go into Washington and you start talking with people and you start getting into the offices, the the, the uh, members, staffs, Congress, you know, you start getting into that and you realize that things are not always what they appear to be. And I'll just leave it at that. But you, you get an attack on the First and Second Amendment this is going to be even bigger news in the days ahead. Simultaneous with the attacks domestically now, I'm just talking about domestic issues right now, the uh, Mueller witch hunt and against Donald Trump. And all of the issues re- related to that from Stormy Daniels, which is a non-issue, to uh, the Cohen, the office on the... Uh, Office on Michael Cohen, the raid there. And when I was talking, when I had breakfast with Dr. Corsi, Eric and I did yesterday at the National Press Club inside the, the, the members only area. By the way, what a, what a terrific historic building. Just to walk through that. You get any pictures? Oh, yeah, I did. But uh, I gotta tell you, okay, you gotta, you don't be whipping out cameras in there, okay? You just don't do that. Um, just to give everyone a little idea, when we got there, uh, our, we, we, had, we had a security detail assigned to us, and uh, but we went through the National Press Club, ran into Dr. Corsi. We had breakfast together, Eric the Tech, myself, and Dr. Corsi, who, and please keep him in your prayers. Um, he's a fantastic man, and I, I love the guy to death. I mean, he's, he's the best. So we spoke, and... Um, he gave gave me some insight into really what was going on uh with respect to the the Mueller stuff the uh the larger picture and then from there 
I met with a couple of other people who asked not to be named who gave me some insight into the Mueller investigation, the Mueller witch hunt. I'll say this. It is what it appears to be. In that case, Mueller, a rogue element, he is um, he's out of control and he's out to destroy the presidency. The people behind this are some you may not expect, but that's for later. Okay, that, in addition to the attacks on our our yours, I'm talking to you now, everyone listening to this, your rights as an American, they're under attack. Now, if you're listening to this in the UK or elsewhere in the free world, your rights are under attack in the same fashion, different set of rules, of course, but the same fashion. Now, the hot-button issue everyone's talking about today, Syria. Let's go to that very briefly, because this is where things kind of get a little bit complicated and conflated. And, you know, I got some emails today. I was checking up. I, actually, Eric, the tech, was kind of interesting because he showed me how to um, check my emails from the road. <laughs> yeah. I'm a dinosaur, man. Okay. Um, I, I'm a dinosaur. I Look, I, I still use a, a, day t- a day timer, and I still write phone numbers down in a book, and I still write notes. I don't use, I'm not big on electronic gadgetry, but nonetheless. Let's address Syria for a moment. Understand this. Assad is not into chemical warfare. Alright? So, that doesn't mean he, that, that the Syrian government hasn't used chemical weapons in the past. They have. But today, who benefits? To distill the information I got, Yesterday, yeah, yesterday, primarily, and last night. By the way, um, I had it was one of the few. I had a meeting. We, we I had a meeting. We had a meeting in front of a national monument, open air meeting, ten o'clock last night, with a member of one of the intelligence services. That's all I'll say. And boy, did we get an earful. But Assad is not that that much into chemical warfare. At plain and simple. Now, who is? If you're looking at, if you're looking at this as a, uh, if it happened, first of all, did it happen? Question mark. The latest attack. Did the one before that happen? Question mark. Meaning last year, and now how close to the anniversary of the previous one? Did it happen? I'm going to visit that in a second. Who benefits by this? Or who would be responsible? Would, would Assad be responsible? No. There are three countries, Israel, Saudi Arabia, and Turkey, who would benefit primarily. Now, I'm sorry, I'm not being anti-Semitic, I'm just being matter-of-fact. You have to understand that Israel is in a full-scale war with Iran, and Assad is not going to be taken down. Assad is a proxy of Russia, and what we're seeing today can absolutely positively be laid right at the feet of Barack Hussein Obama, Hillary Clinton, and John Kerry, and other globalists, as well as the neocons who supported and who were involved in the Obama-Hillary-Kerry strategy. And this goes back to Bush. 
Well, this also has, there's also connection to Cohen and Mueller and Trump and Bolton. But before I get off into that, Turkey, they're the dominant Sunni force in the region. Saudi Arabia is, is, uh, subjugated to Turkey's dominance and Iran is the dominant Shia force. Syria is, is a proxy of Russia and is under Russian control basically. It is Israel and Saudi. They are creating the chaos there. And again, this is an extension of the Obama Hillary Kerry policy. Go back to Benghazi. I've had people send me emails with links to videos. Look at this intelligence briefing by this person. Okay, I did. Sounds really good. And I'm not going to name the names. Sounds really good. Except they're wrong. When I say they're wrong, I'm talking about the, uh, specifically, if you, if you have, if you don't understand what happened in Benghazi, you're not going to understand or you're not going to have good information, intel about what's taking place today. For example, Benghazi. Benghazi, the, 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 the Libyan takedown in part was to supply weapons from Libya, but also in addition to the Libyan weapons just to the uh, rebels, or the, I shouldn't say rebels, the terrorists in Turkey, in Lebanon, ultimately destined for Syria. And that was, it was under the control of the CIA. It was not a consulate, it was not an embassy, it was a CIA operation. There were two buildings, not one, but two, making up this compound. One held the CIA and Western intelligence people the other held Stevens in the dip- diplomatic meeting location. That building was attacked. The other one was not. That's where Stevens met his end. Now, <coughs> excuse me, the attackers were not looking for weapons. They weren't looking for anything except seven Iranians. And if you don't know that, if that is not on your radar, then you don't have accurate intelligence. That's what Benghazi was about, in part. But if you hear any videos, if you hear any audios, if you hear people who who say, I know this, and this is what my sources are saying, but they fail to mention, in part, that that attack in Benghazi, seven Iranians, if if that information doesn't come forth, then you know what? You better rethink who you're listening to. But let's let's fast forward to now. With respect to what happened in Syria, or allegedly happened in Syria, did it happen? Well, who's saying it happened? You've got the Syrian Observatory for Human Rights. Okay, what's that? How many people, show of hands, how many people have heard of the Syrian Observatory for Human Rights? If you don't know about this group, then you don't know what's going on in Syria. What is the Syrian Observatory for Human Rights? Anybody? One guy, one guy based in Coventry in the UK reporting on information. Yep, we talked about this last okay. year. Right. One guy, one guy. And isn't he getting millions of dollars in government funds and, and. Well, yes. And then, okay. 
So that's so the Syrian Observatory for Human Rights saying, Oh, look what happened. Who else? The White Helmets. You hear people parrot the, the, the phrase White Helmets or the descriptive term White Who are the White Helmets? All right. Well, this is a group that was founded in 2013 in the UK by a British ex-military officer. One guy founded this. White Helmets. Funded to the tune of a hundred million dollars by intelligence interests in the U.S., the U.K., and Europe. Who's on the ground over there? Who's on the ground reporting about the chemical uh, attack? I'll tell you who. It's only the white. No one is on the ground. Well, no one. The Russian military has issued a report saying that experts were sent from uh, the medical and nuclear industries into Duma and tested dozens of sites and had found no evidence of any chemical weapons. But also, I've been reading reports that Russia or Russian personnel has these sites on lockdown and is not letting anybody in or out. It's not what it appears to be. All right. Why are they not letting people in or out? It, it, it's, I'm not going to, we don't have time to explain this, but it's not. Uh, what it appears to be. Look, there is no, there was no civil war in Syria. It's not really, by definition, a civil war. This was an attack by the, by the Western intelligence agencies, as well as the ISIS forces against the Assad government in order to destabilize the Assad government and engage in re- regime change. Simple as that. Now, because of time. Let's fast forward to today. Again, everyone, take a deep breath. All right. You you have Donald Trump tweeting out, missiles are going to be coming. Okay. You've got to understand Donald Trump's position. I'm not making any excuses for the man. I'm not making any... I don't know what's in his heart. I don't really know what's in his mind. But I do know some people around Donald Trump. Things are not what they appear. Tweets are not necessarily indicative of future action. Think about that. You've got um, Bloomberg reporting as of 3.20 this afternoon that Donald Trump will decide tonight whether to strike Syria, but the timing of the execution is not yet determined. Now consider this. Right after uh, Defense Secretary James Mattis and Joseph Dunford who's the Joint Chief of Staff Chairman, after they arrived at the White House to meet with President Trump, Bloomberg took to the airwaves. They reported, uh, Jennifer Jacobs reported that despite Donald Trump's belligerent, her word, not mine, tweets from earlier in the day, his administration is still weighing options for military action in Syria. And no military strikes are expected to be announced today. Now, I just want everyone to understand, we're edging closer to a world war, but don't be throwing around the word imminent. Don't be scaring everybody. Don't don't lose your mind. Just relax and listen and watch and be vigilant. That doesn't mean you shouldn't prepare. You should prepare. But again, everything's not what it appears to be, especially in war. 
and I suppose war and poker, right? Now, consider this. Only today did the U.S. deploy the USS Truman Carrier Strike Group and seven warships to that area. So it, 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 they're not they're not operating the Concord, okay? From here to there, it's going to take a couple of weeks, mid-May, roughly, before they reach the area. Now, meanwhile, a Fox News report citing satellite images shows 11 Russian battleships leaving port in Syria. The report sent equities higher, of course, from the financial market. And remember, think about, too, the the economic aspect of things. Now, these are for reportedly for uh, part of the Russian military drills. you got, you got to go back in history, too, and, and the, remember the Cuban Missile Crisis. And, and this is where Dr. Corsi, by the way, um, a tremendous mind. I respect that man a lot. But anyway, now, earlier, Mattis said that the U.S. was still assessing whether the Syrian government was behind the deadly chemical weapons attack. Think about that statement. You've got Bolton, and we all know about Bolton. He's a neocon. He's a warmonger. He's a PNAC. I get all that. But somebody told me yesterday, and somebody reminded me of this today, if you want to control someone, satisfy the neocons, satisfy the people who are trying to take you out, think about maybe employing them. Just saying. I'm not saying. Look, I... Just saying this. I'm saying it. Just I'm just saying, but not really saying. Just saying. All right. Is everyone following me? <clears throat> so, and consider what Tucker Carlson said here recently. Assad's regime is backed by the Syrian military, in addition to some other militia and paramilitary groups. you got the opposition comprised primarily of the Free Syrian Army and the Islamic Front, the Islamic State, the Kurds, backed by the Peshmerga. you got the Coalition Joint Task Force comprised of Western nations who are more opposed to the Islamic State than they are allied with any other group. you got Russia, you got Iran, you got Hezbollah. Who the hell else you got over there? Go back and look. Arab Spring was orchestrated. You've got you got a lot of stuff going on, all right? You're being told you're being told what's going to happen or that that you know prepare for imminent war. That we're going to be invaded. Oh my gosh. Look, we have we have some ways we got a ways to go. My view and based on everything I've been able to to put together, you've got a series of events to take place. Cyber attacks, you've got uh, banking to go, you've got the internet to go, which isn't it interesting? We're talking about the abolition of rights, the First and Second Amendment rights. Do you think for one second, any, any, just think about this. Put your, I mean, the people out there, who in the hell would invade the United States while everyone still has their guns? I'm just asking. Say would it? be stupid, and not to mention you still have things like the National Guard. You still have, I mean, it would be, it would be dumb. And you said something before the show off air that I believe has a lot of truth to it. That you would have to see another action first, whether that be an economic collapse, 
a grid collapse. You have to have some kind of debilitating instability here in the United States to, to successfully pull that off. And still, you would lose hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of, of soldiers, yep. even at that. Yeah. So every, that's why I say we're going to take a breath. Now, this is dangerous, to be sure. There's a dangerous game going on here, absolutely 100% dangerous. But let's not lose our minds as we analyze this. Let's listen to the people who know what's going on, who have the benefit of historic, you know, uh, historic uh, hindsight, as well as connections to the government itself. Now, again, I'm not. This is just a practical assessment of the Trump administration uh, with respect to Bolton bringing Bolton on. Did you now consider the timing of this? I know when it was decided. I know when he and he came on um, this week, beginning Monday. In fact, Washington, believe me, between Zuckerberg and Bolton, Washington was a flipping mess. I'm telling you that right now. Anyway, um, getting around there was was exciting to say the least, and the press club was a buzz. And it was just, but anyway. Um, and, and for those people interested, I will be doing my show on this tomorrow to expand upon the uh, the debriefing for for uh, what, what Eric and I did in DC. So not not to not to do this on the show tonight, but understand the attacks against the First and Second Amendment are tightly controlled, <laughs> tightly tied into what's taking place with respect to Mueller. That's tightly controlled, uh, interwoven with the geopolitics. There are people who are pushing behind the scenes, pushing for war. You've got Donald Trump understanding through Mattis, especially through Mattis. You've got people who are understanding that, Donald Trump understanding that, wait a minute, hang on a minute, am I being played here? The guy's not stupid. Donald Trump is not stupid. And despite Bolton being there, remember, Donald Trump does not reported to John Bolton. Bolton reports to Donald Trump. Just think about this. Just, just put, you guys, everyone listening to this program, I guarantee you, you've got, you've, you're smart, you're intelligent. Don't fall for the sky is falling. That doesn't mean it's not dangerous. Just don't fall for that. Understand. Look up Syrian Observatory for Human Rights. Look up the White Helmets. Research this. In fact, look up Eva Bartlett, who's a Canadian journalist. Understand the, the dynamics. Turkey, Iran, Syria. Understand who's over in Syria. Understand uh, Obama, Hillary, Kerry, what they've done. A lot more ground to cover. Going to be right back. You're listening to the Hagman Report. Stay right where you're at. Welcome back to this edition of the Hagman Report for Wednesday. It's April 11th, 2018. Doug Hagman joining, or back in studio with Joe Hagman. The reason we don't have audio or video today and yesterday and the day before, very simple. Eric the Tech and I were in Washington, D.C. All right. We, look, folks, and I just got about a half a dozen emails. Why no audio? Why, no, why no video? Why? Look, folks, we're doing the best we can. All right. Uh, please understand this. We've got... We've got people working 18 hours a day here, and we do what we can do. We broadcast over three platforms, and to, uh, video will be back up tomorrow. 
We anyway, and thank you for your support because broadcasting over three platforms, uh, just the logistics of it, it, it it's a big deal. All right, so thank you for your patience. And, and to those who have asked if you know what my point was, well, it's very simple. Things are not as they appear, and, and understand that that uh, we have to have faith in God, not man, but God. He's got God's got this. All right. But don't don't take everything that you hear, whether it's the mainstream media or in the alternative media, as, as gospel. Think for yourself. You guys are, are brilliant out there. The majority of you listening to this are brilliant. Think for yourself. Understand, but you got to understand the history. You got to understand the players. So, all right. With that, I'm going to kick it over to Joe. All right, real quick, just want to give an update on uh, the latest on the alleged Syria chemical attack. Then we're going to bring Dave on. There's an article on Zero Hedge. There wasn't a single corpse, Russia claims. White Helmet staged the chemical attack. Speaking with Euronews, Russian ambassador to the EU, <clears throat> excuse me, Vladimir Chizov, said Russian military specialists have visited this region, walked on the same streets, entered the houses, talked to local doctors, and visited the only functioning hospital in Duma, including its basement, where reportedly the mountains of corpses were piled up. There was not a single corpse and even not a single person who came in for treatment after the attack. And the article goes on from there. That's at zerohedge.com. Eva Bartlett makes a great point. I know she reports for RT. She's a Canadian journalist. Um, you can just search Eva Bartlett and search a video uh, feeds on her. Some great information about the uh, Syrian Observatory for Human Rights, great information about white helmets, great information about this, because you have to ask yourself at the end of the day who benefits. So yeah. let's talk to Dave Hodges. Dave Hodges is the Common Sense Show. Come on board, Dave. Hey, good to be with you guys. And there's always a silver lining in the cloud of no video because your audience would have found out I have the perfect face for radio. There you go, man. <laughs> well, you and me both, Dave. Well, I'll tell you what. I just, uh, just to fill you in, we haven't talked in a while. Um, we just got back from D.C., myself and Eric the Tech. We met with a number of people from Alex Jones to Dr. Corsi to, to uh, uh, just a number of other people and getting the inside uh, scoop on a number of things. I'll be reporting on that in my radio show tomorrow. But without any further ado, what do you got? What do you got for us, Dave? Come on. Come on. Well, okay. What I got, first of all, let's all agree on the same thing here. Trump has been sucked in by a false flag. I don't know if he has an ulterior motive, if he's going to do a double switcheroo on the deep state. Who knows? Who knows? But the bottom line is, this was a false flag attack. Assad had nothing to gain from this, and I'm no Assad fan. So here's what I got. I've been running stories parallel to Syria, and they seem to be unrelated, but they're really not. Uh, it's biblical the Third World War starts in that region of the world, and this is where we're at. This is probably what's going to happen. But also what we need to be concerned about, particularly in my neighborhood, my neck of the woods, you guys are a little safer, is what's going on at the border. And I'm in kind of a fortunate position. Because of my close contact with Paul Preston, I'm tuned in to what's going on with Cal Exit, who's involved and what they're up to. And because I really immer immersed myself in 2014 in the Central American Immigration Invasion, and I made contact in the DEA, Border Patrol agents. I was able to learn things that kind of laid dormant until now. And then Kathy Rubio, talk show host out of Minnesota, has decided now to go public and fully tell what she knows, and she did. So let me connect some dots here very quickly. 
It's my firm belief, and I've got an article that lays all this out up on the CommonSenseShow.com, that when war breaks out, uh, whether it be in Asia or more likely in uh, the Middle East, we are going to be looking at a two-phase attack across our southern border. And let me just lay one thing out here that I think is painfully obvious to everybody. Trump has not only put National Guard down on the border, he's got regular military there. And they're not talking about it, but they're there. He didn't put these people across the border because of 1,500 immigrants from Central America. That's a load of nonsense. This was a distraction move where other waves of immigrants are going to follow. And they emanate from what I discovered back in 2014 with the paramilitary base camps, now validated by eyewitness Kathy Rubio and family that services some of these camps. She's talked to these people. Uh, she came on my show and gave a two-hour detailed analysis of the groups that are actually involved. And it paralleled what my DEA informant told me four years ago and updated me on two years ago. And what we're looking at is, obviously, MS-13 and ISIS have come into the country. They've had four years to store weapons caches. And now their brethren are coming. And there's one big happy family marriage here going on in this group. And I talked about this in 2014. And, Doug, I'm sure you remember it. The Sanchez Paredes is the biggest drug cartel in the world. It's the Peruvian army. The DEA contact I had worked in that particular genre in Peru, was booted because he wouldn't play ball. And these people coordinate Middle East terrorist groups, Hamas, Hezbollah, today ISIS, Al-Qaeda, Muslim Brotherhood, etc., with the Mexican drug cartels. And they all coalesce in these training camps that are in El Salvador and in Honduras. And in the article that I wrote up on the Common Sense Show, I detailed what Kathy said in the interview about who's there, what they're doing. And, and here's what I have put together. First of all, the money behind this comes out of CalExit. CalExit's trying to break away the United States from the, from the Union. They're failing miserably. The new California state movement is superseding that, and they've got 44 out of the 58 counties on their side. But that doesn't mean that the George Soros and that the Bank of China, the Chinese government, the Mexican consulate, and various terrorist groups, they're all players in CalExit, along with Governor Jerry Brown, De Leon, Becerra, the state attorney general. They're all in cahoots here. And what they're trying to do, in my opinion, this is what I've come to the conclusion of, is stir up enough hell that the U.N. will be able to rear its ugly head on our soil to put down any domestic insurrection. The Kigali principles were signed by Obama before he left office in 2016, and everything that I read tells me that these are irrevocable and the U.N. can act on their own authority in the face of civil unrest. And also, I have linked George Soros to groups in San Diego with Soros front groups who are funding these immigrant waves coming to the country. Phase one is, I believe, when these people, if they're able to cross the border, they will engage in massive domestic terrorism. I've called it before, when I anticipated this three years ago, I called it the Tet Offensive of Terrorism, is what I expect to be happening. Phase two will be an outright military um, invasion, and I believe it will be time to follow war in the Middle East. While we're distracted over there, this is when we're going to be invaded, invaded from our southern underbelly. And I've got strong support for this belief. Of the 33 nations in CELAC, which is basically Latin America nations, 
they don't have anything to do with us. Nothing. They don't invite the United States to their meetings anymore. And I've gone through and written articles, and I've detailed military alliances with every one of these countries. Nicaragua, Panama, Honduras, El Salvador, Brazil. Brazil's tied up heavily in the Russian space war machine. I mean, they're, they're doing joint projects. you got Ecuador, Chile. All of these nations have aligned with China and Russia, and there's your Red Dawn Force. And I could really, if we had more time, I'd get into more detail about how I believe I've discovered plots to take out our air bases here in the southwest because the air cover would be necessary to repulse an invasion like that. I'll just give you one small example. On the Bundy Ranch, what we discovered, and it didn't get much mil- much play in the media, but Sinta, a Chinese solar energy firm, which is a front group for the Chinese Army, was uh, they paid $5 million to Harry Reid's son to install this solar energy farm. Now, I thought this was a coincidence at first, but now I know it's not. This was in lo- near locale to Nellis Air Force Base off an interstate highway, and you got Chinese military personnel operating there. And I started thinking, well, could this be a way to knock out that base for air cover? Well, okay, coincidence. Larry, uh, Luke Air Force Base here in Phoenix, the same exact scenario. And now I've discovered Davis Monthan Base outside of Tucson, same scenario, same dynamics. And that's just one example of what I found, guys. I found lots of examples. So to sum up, it's my belief that the Cal Exit money, uh, which is a lot, a lot of it's George Soros, Eric Holder's part of this. He's the spokesperson for CalExit. They're funding these immigration groups. Phase one is terrorism, and that's maybe to get the UN involved under the Kigali principles that Obama set up in 2016. And then we will see an invasion once war breaks out. That's what I believe we're looking at. Well, that's a, a very uh, frightening perspective there. And, you know, one of the things that about the southern border, we have to wonder why we don't see, especially with uh, Trump after Trump's election with the Republicans, Congress and Senate, we did not see uh, anybody really, except the president, move to fund border security, move to build a wall. Do you think that any uh, these problems with uh, not wanting the wall there from these politicians and others are directly related to what you just laid out? Yes. Now, a lot of it isn't, too, because when you look at behavior on the border, you've got a multidimensional aspect of crime. I mean, some of it's just straight human trafficking, drug trafficking, gun running, just your normal run-of-the-mill uh, organized crime out of control. But, guys, you know, and you've reported on this. I've reported this on your show. We can go back as far as 2006, and we found that the sanchez Paredes drug cartel that I mentioned earlier facilitated relationships between the drug cartels and Hamas and Hezbollah. That was reported in a police uh, Tucson Police Department memo in 2006 and republished in the Arizona Republic in 2010. So that gets closer to home to what you're asking me, Joe. But there also is just a lot of abject criminality, too. I mean, but what we're looking at here is a planned invasion of the United States. This is... Uh, fully what I believe is coming and I'm going to republish an article tomorrow that highlights a lot of this now a couple of the leaders in Central and South America are not in office anymore but I'm going to detail their military alliances with China and Russia and there's a big question mark why did Obama permit this I believe it was intentional he sold us out well, you know, when you look at the uh, when you look at the Iran deal uh, Project Cassandra look at all of the different components 
to, well, to how Obama um, attempted to, and for the large part did, um, rearrange the power structure in the Middle East through Arab Spring, which really started back during the uh, George W. Bush administration and was refined under Obama's watch. So, yes, yes. But now back to your invasion. Uh, The information I've got, look, the invasion, in air quotes, we'll say, uh, from the southern border particularly, is more of a tactical invasion of, of operatives that are intended to disrupt, cause chaos and such at infrastructure points not like this invading army of, you know, marauders that would come across the, the southern border at this point. So uh, it's it's my inform the information I've got and again I'm tossing this to you. The again, quote air quotes invasion would be key personnel, uh terrorist type personnel to 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 hit uh, uh you know the the infrastructure, points such as nuclear power plants, air bases, uh military bases. I think that's phase one, Doug. Right, right, right. I guess, yeah. Right, right. Because the other part of this is when you talk to the gamers, the uh, the military gamers, is that they've got to take out number one, they've got to take out the uh, or the uh, uh, the grid basically to darken us, put us in the dark before they would do anything on a mass level. And the second part of this. Uh, well, well, that, that's really primarily number one. Um, I, I guess I could just stop there because we, this is not going to happen overnight. This is, this is kind of an incremental lead up to, to the, you're, you're, you're are you talking about the very end here? I mean, the end game, uh, type thing? And, and if so, because I hear the word toss, uh, imminent tossed around. Imminent, imminent. Well, I, you know, you can only I'm not tossing you can only, that around. No, no, not, no, not you. No, yeah. not you. No, 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 no. Yeah, I think I think you're very measured in your analysis. I think no. So I, I just was curious as to you know the, the the phases here we're looking at. That's all. I'm just asking. Uh, listen, your your information, in my humble opinion, is very very good. I want to harken back to something I started writing about in 2013, called the grid extrals, and and you and Joe may recall. I had a literal conniption fit because Obama let the Chinese and Russians participate in Grid X, which was the simulated takedown of our grid. In other words, we gave them the keys to the car and showed them how to do it. And we didn't do it just to do it then. We did it in 2014, in 2015, in 2016. And then included in that, we used to do RIMPAC war games around the same time frame each year where we'd practice against Chinese and Russian naval tactics in the Pacific with 11 other nations. We made them part of our impact drills. So we showed them our military strategy, too, at the same time. This is Obama, the great betrayer. Yeah. And, I, and I've got to compliment you on the depth of your investigative analysis. Uh, I, I, I've, I've seen none better out there. So what you're saying is absolutely 100% true. And, and by the way, that also goes to uh, the other half of this. Why do you think people are, why do you think there's such a, a, a throw, a, a throwdown to take our guns away? The Second Amendment, people are talking. We have an email about that, Dave. A listener wanted us to ask you when, uh, if you thought that gun confiscation was on the table and, and when you might think that they would try to roll that, that out. Well, I think they're trying now, but I, I, I think they're kind of urinating in the wind, pardon the expression, because that ain't going to happen in this country. 
That is not going to happen. But here's the other thing to consider. When countries don't give up their guns, the civilian populations don't, initial genocide becomes the, the master. Genocide usually happens after the guns are gone. That's what the uh, democide project from the University of Hawaii shows, and they've studied this. But on the front end, when people resist, that's when they get slaughtered right off the front. So I don't know. Do we have to get nuked? I mean, let's, let's go back to conventional, conventional military wisdom here. If we were going to be an occupied nation and taken down that way, just for the sake of argument, conventional military strategy says you need one soldier for every 50 citizens. Well, you know, Yamamoto, um, blade of grass, American with a gun behind everyone. We would, they would need a lot more than 50, uh, one per 50 because of our guns. And uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that the Chinese have also come out and called for gun control in America, not once, but on two different occasions where I've caught it. So, guys, it's all on the table, but they're not going to get our guns. I'm, I'm not even the least bit worried about that um, because they can pass all the laws they want. My gun's not going anywhere. I might find a better way to hide it. But it's you know, not going to go to the government. You know what, Dave? I, I totally agree with you. They're, they're not going to get our guns, but boy, just the attempt to get our guns will cause sufficient chaos to, to make us even more vulnerable. vulnerable and then and here comes the UN. There you I'm go. telling you guys what, what the alternative media is missing, in my most humble opinion, are these Kigali principles. I have hammered on this now for the last month because I've seen how this could come into play. In CalExit, and this is why I'm lucky because I have good friends throughout the alternative media and I, I get to know what they know. And what Paul Preston taught me, there are plans on the books for CalExit to have violent activities in public forums against white people if they can't get California out of the union. He's had embedded sources that he has trotted out and interviewed on this point. And this is a preemptive excuse for the U.N. And if you want more U.N. possible involvement, when California has their plans to exit, they don't plan to exit as an independent country. They plan to exit as a protectorate of the United Nations. So here we have another wow. U.N. link. Okay, and, and that's good to know because you're on the forefront. You're the tip of the spear on this Cal Exit stuff. Uh, believe me. Uh, you're, but by the way, your website, thecommonsenseshow.com. Uh, folks, go there. Read the articles. Read his, read Dave's research and investigative analysis. Spot on. Very good stuff. Go ahead, sir. I didn't mean to. No, no. I, I appreciate the mention there. It's just we're all in this together, and th this is how I look at this. You guys, through your show tonight, I, I was listening in and out as I was bringing groceries in and doing some odds and ends, but I was listening, and you guys are, are right on the edge of what's happening here. It's Syria, it's Syria, it's Syria again, and Putin has made threats and counter threats. That's the big deal today. What I'm talking about here is a secondary plot that will follow the breakout of war. That's absolutely what I'm convinced of. My news is not to be considered to be the headline news that goes above everybody else's right now. What I'm saying, my information is ancillary to the information that shows like yours are putting out with regard to Syria. I really do believe we will see a military invasion. You know, let me give you one other tidbit. And, Doug, this will seem really trite and almost silly. But when they did the remake of the Red Dawn movie, and I believe it was 2011, <laughs> the yeah, original no, no, yeah. Yeah. Force was supposed to be the Chinese, and the yep. Chinese had a fit, and it got changed to the North Koreans. Yep. Yeah, we spoke about this before. And, and things like that don't happen by accident, you know. So, yep, you're right. 
it's optics too. You know, I mean, we can't have that. My goodness. And, and, and you mentioned too, just the, like two paragraphs ago, China calling for well, uh, gun control too. So I would encourage people tomorrow, and sorry about the shameless plug, but to go to the commonsenseshow.com. I will have up early in the morning and I know Steve will pick it up, Steve Quayle, is I'm going to review these military alliances that started back in about 2010 with Russia and China, and they're all through Central and South America. These people are not on our side. No, not at all. You're right. And and I'm going to give you two controversial things I can't prove, but I've been told by former good sources, people who've panned out before, I've been told that we've already encountered uh, one wave of immigrants near Oaxaca, Mexico, and we engaged them because radiation meters detected WMDs, and we took them out. Our special ops are in Mexico is what I've been told. That's one. Another report I've gotten, Kathy Rubio alerted me to this, when she talked about the nature of the base camps and it's the CIA and it's academia and they dress as American soldiers and uh, they're facilitating all these various ter- terrorist groups. Um, what she also told me, and I got an email on this from a guy who claimed to be a sailor from Bremerton, Washington, that the northern border is being penetrated too by the Chinese. And that Canada and Mexico have been told if they stand down and let the borders down, they'll be left alone in World War III. Now, I'm presenting this as speculation, but there is a lot of smoke behind this speculation where different sources seem to be confirming each other. Well, when you consider that the United States is really the stumbling block to a global governance, yeah, I, we got to get rid of the United States. Well, how do you do that? And then when you look at it through that, uh, through that, the context of that, and, and take your information, and and again, folks, the commonsenseshow.com, read what Dave Hodges has has written and analyzed. The the uh, look, I don't know how much time you spend on these articles, in these reports. But my goodness, the, the, they're for that. I just do enough right. to get the job done. You, you know, I, this has kind of been a love-hate relationship with me. You know how I was forced into that Senator McCain old story. But um, I never intended to be doing this stuff. But right now, I feel like if I can, and I know you feel the same way, if I can do anything to help people prepare, and if I can just help one person survive or have a better life or be more knowledgeable about what's coming, where to put their money. I, you know, I feel like I'm doing my job, and I and I think this has become my calling. Um, you know, I was totally in love with doing nothing but teaching and coaching college basketball, um, and Andy DeRiso, who was my news director for years, kept saying, this is your calling, Dave, this is your calling. And I think she's probably right. So it's not a matter of time. I just do it until the job gets done, and, and I hope I'm helping people. That's That's ultimately... What I'm doing, and, and I'm really concerned because I have a young son, and I've got nephews and nieces, and and I'm scared, Doug. I'm scared for their future because this country has a big bullseye on it. Yeah, it does. And Dave, let me ask you this: in the in the last two minutes, we got. What are your thoughts on the in the Robert Mueller probe against Donald Trump, and what we've seen with Michael Cohen's office as personal attorney being raided? Uh, the best analysis I've heard uh, was from Michael Savage. Fantastic analysis. And I don't get to listen to Michael much, but I caught him on the radio driving home. And he said Jeff Sessions is ultimately behind it, and he pursued the chain of custody. And I'm sorry, I don't have my notes on here, but Sessions appoints Berman, who appoints the judge, who issues the warrant, da-da-da-da-da-da. 
And, uh, man, it was good. Um, Jeff Sessions is total deep state. Rosenstein is total deep state. These people are so complicit to bring this president down. Uh, he needs to fire all of them. All of them. Absolutely all of them. Rosenstein, there needs, in fact, I wrote an article that just came out this morning called Trump needs to initiate a St. Valentine's Day massacre. In other words, all these guys need to be gone on the same day. I don't care what the vacuum is. These men are traitors to the president and they're traitors to their country. And what this Cohen raid symbolizes here is none of us are safe. Mueller could do this to any one of us. Client attorney privilege is dead. The Constitution is dead. We are a lawless nation. This is the kind of stuff that Stalin did when he took over. That's the society that we're living in now. There it is. I mean, look at Zuckerberg. I'll leave you with this last thought. He gives campaign donations to 85% of the representatives who are questioning him, and we expect to have a fair hearing. He's already bribed them. Welcome to America. And, yeah, and, and certainly they didn't put him under oath. I mean, no, that was a joke. And, and uh, Dave, I was there, you know, when when uh, Zuckerberg was there. And let me tell you what, what, what a cluster, you know what? Okay, yeah, that's I all I got to say. I hear you, buddy. I hear you. Uh, I mean, I hear you. So, hey, great job going and jumping into the swamp, Doug. Uh, I'm proud of you. I'm going to have something to say about that on one of my podcasts. I just wanted to take a moment and compliment you, and I want to let you know it's been a privilege coming on your show. This is certainly one of the best, if not the best, radio shows in America, and your listening audience is the beneficiary for it. Look, we are in this together, and I I want to say to to everyone listening, look, Dave Hodges, class act, information's right on the money. His analysis is great. Uh, This is not a mutual flattery kind of thing. It's just just the way it is. So, folks, tune into the Common Sense Show as well as read the reports on the commonsensestore.com report. Dave, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, my friend. All right. All right. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Laura Loomer. So stay tuned on this Wednesday edition of the Hagman Report. to this edition of the Hagman Report, April 11th, 2018, Wednesday. You know, I have such a great time reading uh, various reports from Laura Loomer. I follow her on Twitter, Laura Loomer on Twitter, and she's got just great information. She's a great investigative journalist. She was with Project Veritas formerly. Um, She is on her Twitter feed, proud American Jew unverified on Twitter for speaking truth. Aren't we all unverified? Let me tell you, me too. Us too. Can't do it. No, we speak the truth. And in the, uh, it, it was, it's kind of neat because, uh, one of her recent tweets, uh, actually tweeting, uh, about Lee Stranahan or to or with or retweeting Lee, Lee Stranahan and, uh, congratulations for being married 20 years. I met Lee in Washington DC yesterday. And, uh, great guy. Yeah, just a great guy. Wonderful guy. Good journalist. And Laura Loomer, of course, is an equally stellar journalist. Thanks for joining us, Laura. Thanks for having me. And I'll tell you what, you're, uh, you're, you're on the tip of the spear with respect to your, your, um, 
your your Twitter information, your investigative reports, and where do we start in this headline clustered day? I mean, you, your recent tweet, I, I should point out, and folks, if you don't follow Laura, do so. Laura Loomer on Twitter, but uh, recent uh, recent tweet saying uh, that uh, did you know that Stephen Paddock paid off all of his debts before the Las Vegas shooting, and then hashtag ISIS. Pretty interesting there, but we can start wherever you want, Laura. Let's go ahead and just start with uh, the Stephen Paddock Las Vegas shooting story. Okay, all right, sounds good. And by the way, support folks support Laura's work. She does stellar investigative work, and, and support her work. She's got a link to her. Uh, uh, PayPal account on her Twitter feed. So, so do that. You know, we we, we got to keep her around. So, yeah, let's go ahead, Laura. What'd you find out? So, I was doing some investigations. As you know, I've been actively investigating the Las Vegas shooting. And uh, last time I was on your show, I was talking about how uh, several congressmen have actually been briefed on evidence that shows that three ISIS-tied uh, individuals crossed over through the U.S.-Mexican border and participated in the Las Vegas shooting. This is information that the Bureau, uh, the FBI, is aware of, and obviously they know, but they have not released it to the public, and they are not um, informing the public of the ISIS ties. So I was looking at Stephen Paddock's financials, and the report that was put out by the LVMPD in January, and they um, they noted that he had actually cleared all of his debt. He had no debt. And if you recall, uh, when this happened, when the shooting first took place, there were all these theories like, oh, well, you know, Stephen Paddock uh, was a gambler. He probably had a lot of debt and just decided to kill people to get revenge and kill himself. Well, it turns out that Stephen Paddock had zero debt at the time of his death, and he actually left behind a $5 million estate. So uh, why is this significant, and why does it add further credence to ISIS's claims that they took responsibility for Vegas? Well, if you understand Islamic uh, Sharia law, you'll know that you are not um, able to get into paradise and receive your 72 virgins as a jihadi unless you are completely debt-free, right? This is the, the word of Muhammad. It's not a suggestion, right? It's not, um, you know, a theory. This is, this is fact, and this is, um, you know, Islamic Sharia law. You will not be accepted into paradise if you have debts at the time of your death. That's a very interesting uh, detail, and and I do remember uh, at the beginning of the investigation, they mentioned the wire transfer to the Philippines, and then they also uh, used that as an excuse, as you said, you know, he's a gambler, he's probably in debt. They did talk about his real estate holdings and and uh, how he had a lot of money, but they uh, attempted to wrap part of this narrative up in the fact that he was just uh, sick and tired of uh, of gambling and he lost all kinds of money, but yes. This, Shows the story in a, in a much different light, and you mentioned that exactly. you referenced the three ISIS fighters that crossed the southern border. Uh, can we talk a little bit more about this? Uh, you said we obviously know that no motive has been released, no other people have been associated with the crime. But what have you found out about these three individuals, and and where are they now, if we know? Well. Uh, one of the individuals who's traveling with all of them uh, had license plates registered to Guanajuato, Mexico. So maybe they're in Guanajuato, Mexico. I don't know. 
but uh, the mm-hmm. the license in which they registered to stay at a motel that was also tied to Brian Hodge, the same motel that Brian Hodge's phone traced him um, back to staying at the night of the shooting when he was claiming to be hiding in the bushes, right? Brian Hodge, who, if you guys recall, was the um, Australian guy who claimed to be in the room next door to Stephen Paddock when really he wasn't even in the room next door, right? right? He was right. staying on the other side of the hotel on the same floor in a different room. So not only did he lie about the uh, the room he stayed in, but he also lied about who he was with that night and um, where he was. And, um, you know, I'm privy to information. I've seen some reports um, that the public has not seen. And, uh, you know, an investigation concluded that uh, Hodges' cell phone pinged at the same motel in which three individuals um, who investigators believe are tied to ISIS uh, were staying. And the license, like I said, uh, checked out to Guanajuato, Mexico. And if you look into Guanajuato, Mexico, you'll know that Mexican intelligence and authorities uh, found and arrested an ISIS recruiter in Guanajuato in 2015, I believe. So there is a uh, there is an active ISIS presence in Guanajuato. We know that ISIS fighters and jihadis are crossing over through the uh, U.S.-Mexican border. This has been something that is uh, reported by the Border Patrol. They've often found prayer rugs. They find Korans. They find terrorist materials splattered throughout the border. But, of course, you know, the mainstream media doesn't really talk about it. You, you know, I reported on that. I don't know, probably nearly a decade ago, and I was I was called a liar by many in the conservative uh, media, many conservatives, and here you are confirming this a decade later. And 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 I, I, I look, one hundred percent accurate. LauraLoomer.us is her website. Folks, help her out. Uh, pay for You're hearing information you're not going to hear elsewhere, certainly not on CNN. LauraLoomer.us. Follow her on Twitter. Look, support this investigative journalism. You need yeah, and I'm also going Go to be, I announced today, I might as well announce on your show as well, um, I'm announced I'm going to be going to Israel. So I'm traveling to Israel uh, in the beginning of uh, uh, next month. And I'm going to Israel to cover the um, the embassy move and also the conflict in Gaza because, as you know, you're seeing a lot of reports right now in the news about this conflict in Gaza, the conflict between Palestinians and Israelis and the IDF and a lot of outcry about, you know, so-called protesters getting shot and killed. And the media is failing to report the fact that these protesters are actually, uh, you know, known members of Hamas, a designated terrorist organization. So... I'm going yeah. to Israel to report the truth. President Trump is going to be there. Netanyahu, there's going to be a lot of representatives from um, our government, from Congress, who are going to be going to Israel to uh, be participating in the ceremony for the official move of the embassy to to Jerusalem. And then, of course, uh, you know, you're going to have the Nakba the day afterwards, and all hell is probably going to break loose, and there's going to be riots, and, you know, the Palestinians are going to be gearing up for their... Ramadan Bombathon, which is what we see every single year, uh, as I like to call it, the Ramadan Bombathon. And uh, there's always this increase in violence and stabbings and attacks all around the world, especially in Israel, um, as as uh, Muslims begin to enter Ramadan. You know, Laura, and I, I thank you so much for doing what you do. If you go to lauralumer.us or just from her Twitter feed, go to the page where she writes that truth is a weapon. 
and I take my res- responsibility of arming the citizens of this country with the tools they need to be informed seriously. And, and there it is. Um, it, so, so you're going to be, be on the ground there for three weeks. You're taking not just yourself, not, you're just not going by yourself, but a cameraman, equi- equipment, this all costs money. Three weeks reporting from Israel. You're a brave lady. And by the way, you're spot on. I've never, I've never seen a, a misstatement come from you. So, um, you, you're like the Jane Bond. How's that? Not James, but Jane Bond. So, all right. Um, I wow. appreciate it. No, I, I'll tell you, it's we bring people on the program who really have a thirst for the truth and are able to get to you know cut the BS and go right to the go right to the facts. So, back to Vegas though. Why, why aren't we? Why, why the blackout with respect to ISIS? If yeah, this why, wouldn't ISIS they, why wouldn't they say, yeah, look at this, man? Yeah. Well, because it's Vegas, and as I've shown with a lot of the other things that I've uncovered, whether it be like MS-13 gang murders and uh, corruption within the police department, pedophiles in the police department, all types of craziness, it's not good for tourism. And you have a sheriff who is... Uh, being backed in his re-election campaign is being funded by MGM resorts, MGM casinos, right? They, they dominate these casino conglomerates, dominate, uh, Vegas and Nevada tourism, the Nevada economy. And it's not going to be good for business if people, um, if people see or people, um, people find out there are ISIS terrorists on the run, that illegals and violent criminals and terrorists like MS-13 and ISIS are crossing over through the through the uh, through the southern bar- border, uh, you know, which Nevada is a part of, of course, and uh, crossing in illegally and committing horrible crimes. And bad, um, yeah, bad for know, business, then, people, right? I mean, simple as people, that. Bad for yeah. business. Yeah. All right. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, and people don't want to have the idea. I'm sorry. People don't want to have the image in their head of little ISIS terrorists having having terror nests um, at you know top top floors or levels of some of the world's most popular uh, hotels and casinos and popular tourist destinations uh, preparing a terrorist attack or, uh, you know, some type of shooting. And, uh, you know, from what I understand and uh, from I am working on another story right now, but from what I understand is that uh, investigators uh, perform these type of simulations even prior to the Las Vegas shooting. So they were aware of the fact that people could carry out uh, like sniper attacks or or some type of um, mass shooting from high high rise buildings and uh, these these resorts in Vegas from from far distances. So from what I've been, from what I've been told personally by my sources and in intelligence and um, in in LVMPD and FBI in Vegas is that they were aware that something like this could take place for years, right? And nothing was done about it. Nothing was done. Have you heard? Now, yesterday I heard from a, a source. Now I don't know if you're if you're investigating this aspect of it or not, but some of the uh, uh, the out of the coroner's reports, medical examiner's reports are are coming out. Have you heard that, or is there anything there? Well, yeah, there I already secrecy. I already released all the autopsy reports. I was I think I was. I think the only journalist um, to really release them as soon as uh, the 
the clearing, I know there was like a legal um, gag order to prevent the media. And so, um, you know, I had the autopsies prior to then and I was hesitant to releasing them because of course I didn't want to break any laws, but um, I did post them and they are on my website in an article and you can see the autopsies for yourself and you can um, go through them. Of course, they're redacted, but I know um, I was talking about it, a few other people, I think uh, Jason Goodman was talking about it, um, but the media, for the most part, there was a total blackout and nobody really reported on these autopsies and the fact that um, they are now out in the public. But what's more yeah. concerning to yeah. me... My, my bad, is, I'm sorry. I, I, meant, yeah, I, I just, no, it's I just okay. Wanted, yeah, I, I wanted to say the, the analysis of them, but, but yeah, go that, ahead. Go ahead. That's my point, is like, you know, you're obviously a very informed individual and you're very up-to-date with the news, and if you don't even know that, that just goes to show you how the media has been suppressing this information. I mean, there are people out there who don't even know that these reports have actually been released, right? right. So right. it's, it's concerning, and what's more, um, what also made me um, cringe this week, and it received like zero media coverage. I think the Las Vegas Review Journal and myself were probably the only two to really report on this is that Clark County, which is the county in which, uh, you know, the LVMPD is located, Sheriff Lombardo works in, and, you know, you have Las Vegas. That's, that's Clark County, Nevada. Clark County, Nevada increased the payroll from 2017, from 2016 to 2017 by $15 million. And where did that money go to? It went to salaries. And who received the highest income out of all of those salaries in which the $15 million went to? The medical examiners in um, in Clark County, Nevada. And what I don't understand is they supposedly brought in outside um, medical examiners to perform a lot of these autopsies, um, even though half the victims didn't even receive full autopsies. So how is it that $15 million extra dollars was needed to cover salaries, right, when, one, it's like the people who came in to, to do the labor, to do the work and the analysis weren't even uh, Clark County employees. Yeah. Where's the money going to? Who is getting $15 million, right? How much of that money is Sheriff Lombardo getting? How much of that is going to LVMPD? I mean, $15 million is a lot of money to increase for salaries. Yeah, it is. And uh, these are <laughs> legitimate questions, especially... <clears throat> After we see, have seen just the, what we talked about with the, the shooting and the cover up and the secrecy surrounding it. And, you know, still we don't have even half the answers that we need. And I don't believe it's from a lack of information. I, I as you believe also that it is a, some sort of a cover up that we have going on here. And from Las Vegas to Parkland, there seems to be a lot of the, these sheriff's offices, uh, who are involved in these types of situations have these huge budgets to operate from and, and it's absurd yeah. to think, you know, how much and fifteen million dollars going directly to salaries. Yeah, I'd want to see a list of of who's getting what and uh, why that needs to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and it also just kind of it doesn't really help when you think about the fact that the Vegas shooting took place in twenty seventeen, and that's when all these salaries started to increase. It kind of makes you wonder, like, who's getting paid to be quiet, right? I mean, like yeah, I said on Twitter, cover ups. Cover up ain't cheap, right? And they're they're starting to figure that out. So, <laughs> costs a lot of money. Uh, it's it's amazing, and it's um, uh, I, I just yeah, uh, I, we need a full time investigative staff uh, assigned to you um, at your disposal. You know, I mean that, that's the folks. Well, soon you'll have the uh, state sponsored no, fact checkers. 
Yeah. If, if California gets their way. Yeah. Let me ask you this, Laura. This, this move of, of censorship and, and, uh, especially political opposition, anything that is opposite viewpoint from what the mainstream media presents, uh, we have seen the censorship and, uh, just the liberal insanity that has come against it. But this bill, there's a bill out in California that a senator introduced, a state senator, talking about wanting uh, news, any information sent over electronic means in the Internet, whether it's a blog to a text message and, or email, wants fake news labels uh, and state-sponsored fact-checkers. Is this the way of the future of the news business in America? No. I mean, that's just the way. That's coming out of California, right? A liberal, a liberal state, a total communist state, right? No, this is their way of trying to label and censor conservatives, and you're going to have people like the ADL and SPLC who are already serving as these type of fact-checkers and and uh, content watchdogs for groups like YouTube and Facebook and Twitter. And what are they doing? They're just shutting down. They're just shutting down conservative voices. I mean, even today, Mark Zuckerberg, what I saw is he is even apologizing because he's getting grilled on Capitol Hill, and he apologized today for shutting down some conservative accounts. They tried to censor Diamond and Silk, for example, right? Two uh, black women who are just pro-Trump. I mean, they they literally marked their content as being unsafe for community standards. So, no, I I am not in favor of that. And what's even more concerning is I recently read an article that I didn't even hear about in the mainstream media that um, the Department of Homeland Security is actually going to be compiling a list of journalists and media influencers, not even just journalists, media influencers as well, so that they can keep tabs on us. And I think that's also really dangerous because when the Department of Homeland Security is trying to like monitor journalists and monitor opinion leaders and monitor uh, social media influencers, it kind of, you know, it's like a keeping a database. Why are they why are they keeping data on people? Is it so that they can uh, you know, prevent us from speaking? It's it's weird. It's kind yeah, of weird. It, it, exactly. And by, and by the way, we we've had uh, going back to your previous statement, we we we've, we've had Diamond and Silk on our show. And it's interesting because, um, uh, well, when I when I attempt to search for that specific video uh, for their appearance, it it's buried like three pages deep. But th- that aside, um, you know the uh, uh, what you're talking about, the Department of Homeland Security, that list, that watch list, the, the reassurances. Oh, it's just so we can monitor what's going on in the news media, you know, or what you know what. Yeah, yeah certain right. topics or events. Right. And th- th- this is so dangerous. I've already assumed that they had these databases put together. But, uh, Laura, do you think that, you know, the, the stated reasons are obviously what they're going to uh, tell the public? But, obviously, there seems to be more nefarious reasons behind this. And I love how they label, it's not, you know, a journalist or uh, editors or uh, content creators. It's media influencers. I wonder how much of this they are looking to see, uh, you know, how people are being influenced by opposing an alternative media outlets and viewpoints and looking to, uh, I guess, contain or mitigate how these people are able to, uh, you know, put their information out that helps others see the truth. That's what my real concern is, if they're looking, you know, to choke up these avenues of information and learn how to uh, plant disinformation. If they're trying to map out the alternative media and uh, looking for ways to corrupt it, if you will, 
Well, this would be a way to start is to create a database. Uh, uh, well, well to, 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 to shut up people like Laura Loomer. I mean, mm-hmm. how, you know what? No one can dispute the, the factual information she, she puts out there. And sorry to talk, talk about you when you're on the, on the show. But, but, but they can't do that. You present facts. It, they're irrefutable. You've got them documented, you know, six ways. Uh, yet, uh, so how can they censor you? Or, or how can they, they refute you? They can't. So, so the censorship comes into play, right? I mean, bottom line, well, isn't it? Also, too, I mean, not that I'm advocating for fake news by any means whatsoever, but why are they trying to prevent people, even if people want to push out fake news? Like, is satire, for example, going to be considered fake news? Like, satire, by definition, would be fake news, right? Because you're oftentimes, like, using different, like, figures of speech and language to, uh, like, make a joke or make a parody of something, and sometimes people will put fake news out for the sense of making, like, a humorous parody video and to show ridiculousness, right? Or to show hypocrisy. And it's not really malicious fake news, per se, but it's just satire and and comedy and humor. So how far are we going to go by, you know, putting fake news labels on things? I just think it's dangerous, because then you're just going to completely eradicate satire, humor, parody, and oh, things yeah, that yeah. are still aspects of journalism. Then I enjoy a good satire piece. I'm sure many people do, especially in this uh, intense and heavy news cycle that we're in. And I mean, yeah. it, what's shocking about this is you mentioned the Facebook uh, testimony. We really haven't covered that too much, but Mark Zuckerberg is saying one of the interesting things out of that. What a he was asked to define hate speech, and he could not. He, he, he uh, was tongue-tied there. But the censorship only goes one way. We only see the conservative viewpoints censored. We only see those viewpoints challenged. It, it, it's not equal in its application. And this is what has no, so not. many people upset, and rightfully so. But it, until the government or, or some other people, citizens come together and rein in the power that fa- and influence Facebook and these other companies wield, they're going to be able to continue to do this. And... Uh, it's unfortunate, but you know this is the way of the world. But we have to continue to fight and um, do what we can. And this is why, again, the support from our our audience. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. Yeah. And, and Laura, it's simple as that. You know, Laura puts out a product of of information, factual information. You wouldn't hear about Las Vegas, hardly anywhere from anyone else, uh, with the level of. Of, with the degree of of accuracy and and information, supporter. I forgot. Fact. Also, speaking of Las Vegas, I can't believe I forgot to mention this to you. But on Friday, uh, I I reported exclusively that uh, the assistant special agent in charge for the FBI Las Vegas office, his name is Agent uh, Patrick Brodsky. He's all of a sudden retiring, right? Abruptly retiring. And I find it to be extremely uh, weird because it comes one day after True Pundit uh, confirmed my reporting about the ISIS terrorists crossing over uh, through the, uh, you know, southern border. And, you know, I just, I just don't believe in coincidences, right? I just, it's kind of like quitting. It's kind of like a major league baseball player uh, quitting right as his team makes the World Series, right? It's just, it's just not going to happen. So why would this special agent in charge in the FBI at the peak of his career when he's overseeing with Aaron Rouse and others, arguably the most high-profile investigation the FBI in Las Vegas has ever uh, had to investigate, and he's going to retire? He's just going to give his career up? And he's what? I don't even know if the guy's 50. He looks like a young guy. Yeah. 
No, believe me, there is absolutely no coincidence there. I, I, yeah, I've, I've got. I mean, it's like rats. It's like rats. It's like rats from a sinking ship, right? They're all yep. just running because they know it's going to come out. They know. I mean, there's no keeping the lid on this. There are images which I have shared publicly in my report of this of this official report that several congressmen have been briefed on that. Uh, agents within the Federal Bureau of Inf- uh, well, the FBI, they, they have these documents, right? And the receipt that I published in my article about Congress being briefed and about the ISIS connection, that is, that is the exact same image that, uh, FBI investigators and members of Congress are being briefed on. All right. So, uh, familiar, familiarize yourself with it because this information has not been made public by the mainstream media because I don't know. They're just, they're refusing to cover. I don't know if they just don't want to prove the fact that, you know, uh, Trump was right, right again. Right, that our 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 borders are open and we have dangerous, violent uh, criminals and terrorists uh, taking advantage of it and carrying out horrible crimes. I don't know what their reason is, but uh, you know, re- I I encourage you to read the article and look at the documents and look at uh, the information that supports it because there really is an information war right now and they're doing everything in their power to suppress these uh, these documents and this evidence uh, from from going mainstream. Amen to that. I, Steve in Ohio uh, just sent a question in here real quick. I, I don't know who this gentleman is. He writes this. Can you please ask Laura what her opinion is regarding John Collins' theory that the crowd in Las Vegas was shot from helicopters? Uh, any thoughts on that? I don't know who that John Collins is. but John Collins, is, uh, he's been doing some investigations as well, make, uh, putting in a lot of work and doing a lot of uh, YouTube videos and inv- independent investigations into... Um, into into Vegas, and he has he has some good points, and um, you know I agree with some of the stuff that he's put out, but I don't I haven't really been focusing on the helicopter theory. I'm not dismissing it because there were helicopters in the air. I mean, even if you see the news cameras from the night of the uh, shooting, you yeah. can hear helicopters in the background. So I'm not going to say that there weren't helicopters, but I don't I don't know. I mean, I I don't know if helicopters were were shooting or not, and um, I'm just. Really, my investigation is going off of the facts, and I am confident in telling you that ISIS-tied individuals crossed over and participated in Vegas. All right, because I've seen the documents. I've seen them myself. I've seen I've seen the briefing that United States congressmen and FBI agents themselves are looking at. I've seen it with my own eyes. Thank you, Laura. Uh, Thank you for all of the work you do. We're at the uh, bottom of the hour. And thank you for your generous generous gift of time, all of the hard work that you do. Uh, We are going to be urging support for you, uh, financial support, so you uh, you can travel to Israel without worrying about money, and for all of the work you do. And thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thank you. God God bless you. you. All right. That was Laura Loomer, lauralumer.us. Support her. Follow her on Twitter. And uh, I guess we're into the break, right? Yeah, I don't Are know. We? Todd, if you can hear me, uh, I guess we can just keep going. Yeah, let's just keep going. What? We don't need no second break. But uh, that was Laura Loomer, lauralumer.us. Follow her on Twitter and support her work, independent journalist. By the way, speaking of that, since we're kind of blown through the break, uh, <coughs> I, I should mention this because the, the, uh, the, Genesis of the meeting in, in DC yesterday was, uh, at the heart of it, was the release yesterday morning of a 29 page, and I've got it right here in my hand, 29 page document 
regarding the case Brennan M. Gilmore. That's Brennan M. Gilmore, plaintiff V. Alexander E. Jones et al., defendants. Memorandum in support of motion to dismiss and motion for attorney fees pursuant to the Texas Citizens Participation Act or the Virginia Anti-SLAPP Act. What Laura was talking about, fake news, journalism, well, guess what? This 29-page document will, in my view, addresses all of the the, the people who want to shut us up, the people who want to shut you up, the people who want to shut and censor Diamond and Silk, and everyone out there. Well, guess what? There's a gift for you, and it's in the form of a 29-page memorandum. The attorney for Jones and his, uh, and Lee Stranahan and others, um, in this, uh, in this mess, uh, and filed this, filed this, uh, motion yesterday. Andrew Grossman, uh, he spoke yesterday at the press conference. And, and let me just cite one sentence here or two sentences. Um, Okay, well, let me, let me just get, kind of get to the, uh, get to the heart of it in the introduction. This lawsuit is an assault on the First Amendment. And you know, you, you see, we've been talking about the assaults on the First and Second Amendment. And, and I, I'm not going to go through all of this, but the bottom line is this. He has no right to enlist a federal court to silence others because he disapproves of their perspective because he considers them to be on the other side, the wrong side of a public controversy. You see, that is censorship, and our Constitution forbids it. Memo to Mark Zuckerberg. Memo to others who are sitting there saying, well, you know what? We need to combat fake News. Andrew Grossman's got a, a filing for you, and here it is. Again, I'll be talking about that in my show tomorrow morning, but uh, there it is. So we have uh, Sam Johnson, host of the Sharpening Report, coming up. I don't want to throw this out there before we bring him on. How many people have seen this news has taken a backseat, of course, due to other important news that's out there, but we had Craig Sawyer on, on Friday, and he talked about Backpage.com and Backpage being taken off the internet. Well, we learn now that there were 93 federal charges to the co-founders of Backpage for uh, child sex trafficking and promoting of prostitution as that site had been proven to be used to traffic children as well as uh, other sex work. Well, the Women's March, you know, the, the, the big group of women who oh, protested you know, Joe, the... I forgot to tell you, at the Mayf- Mayflower Hotel yesterday, when I walked in the lobby, there was this woman sitting there. I, I wasn't sure it was a woman. It was kind of like a stump. Is that offensive? Am I going to get thrown up here? Anyway. But she was wearing the pink pink hat. Oh, okay. You know, with the... With the yeah, those people. Yeah. The, the, the yeah. hat ones. Yeah. Well, the Women's March has come out in defense of Backpage.com. The Women's March decision to defend Backpage.com website, which was used for child sex trafficking before it was shut down last week. Uh, this article, there's a few articles out here, but anyway, authority sees Backpage.com last Friday. Its co-founders were charged with 93 federal counts related to facilitating prostitution through a website. But we have the Women's March who have come out in defense of Backpage saying 
that this group that calling the, the shutting down of Backpage.com an absolute crisis, saying sex workers' rights are women's rights. Just like, it, well, isn't that just like uh, Planned Parenthood reproductive rights? It's all about right. women's health. That's, no, how, it's they, that's not. how they try to conflate the issue it's by calling murder. it women's health. Yeah, it's yeah. not women's health. It is murder. Absolutely. But with that, let's bring on the host of the Sharpening Report, Sam Johnson. Sam, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me back, guys. It is a crazy world out there, and we are starting to really get a good peek behind the curtain, aren't we? With all these current events going on, so it's been. Uh, it's been exciting to see, to say the least. You know, we're not going to just, uh, we're not going to push the curtain aside. We're going to rip that damn thing <laughs> down, shred it, and uh, and then when we get done shredding it, we're going to burn it, bury it, dig it back up, bury it again. Anyway, that's right. Let's 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 pierce the veil here. So yeah, where do you want to start, man? Well, you know, I know you guys have been doing a lot of talking on Syria today, and that is something that has been. It's just it's just the same story again. I, I think they're starting to run on a boogeyman out there. You know, we, we had the whole thing with North Korea that they're going to bomb us, we're going to get nuked, we're all going to die. And then Trump's like, well, okay, whatever. And he threatened them, and then they backed down. Then all of a sudden we have these tariffs coming, and they're going to they're gonna start this big trade war, economy's going to crash, and he's like, nah, I'm not going to back down on that either. And now we have this Syria thing, but the same story. It's, it's the same story again and again and again, and... This one's a little different because there was, you know, supposedly uh, death has already happened. There's already been shots fired, but you know, I just, I'm, it's like watching an old TV show just rerun. It's, it's kind of getting, it's getting a little boring. <laughs> um, well, well, how, how stupid, do, how stupid do the people, do they, do the elite, if you will, how stupid do they think we are? First of all, you know, the, uh, okay, so who's on the ground over, let's just say in eastern Aleppo, who's on the ground? Name one international organization on the ground over there. You know what the answer is? Zero. All right, so you know, and I think Donald Trump. Uh, it's interesting what he did. He sent out a, a, a tweet, and then, um, I, you know, look, I think it is what it is. But I, I also think that uh, Mattis, despite uh, look, I understand the histories behind these people. I, I get it. But after talking with Mattis and uh, uh, Dunford, it looks like he's saying, "Well, wait a minute, we we got to figure out did it really happen? Who's behind it? No decisions made yet." So anyway. Yeah, your thoughts. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, look at the timeline. Trump says, oh, hey, we're going to pull out of Syria a couple weeks ago. And then all of a sudden, Assad apparently, you know, does a chemical attack on his own people. Like, that doesn't make any sense at all. Why would he want, like, he's finally getting his biggest obstacle out of the way of having complete control. And then he brings, have. there's a reason for them to come back in now. It just doesn't make sense. If you, like, think about it logically, why would he do that? On the flip side, you have the rebels who are, you know, absolutely wanting the Americans to stay in there so they have any sort of fighting chance. So it just makes sense if you just think about it logically. But we live in such a world today that is so, it's just so based on emotion and it's, there's no logical thought to it anymore. And you really see that across all different, everything going on can be tied back to this, this fear, like this fear mongering of, of the world is going to end and it's it's kind of, it's just it, it's like a dark humor, it's just funny to watch how it's just like this boogeyman and this boogeyman and this boogeyman, they're kind of starting to run out of options and you, I mean, yeah. you can, and um, 
That's why that's why I started the program out with everyone just take a deep breath. Just just hold on a minute, you know, because everything's not what it appears to be and, and ripping down that veil, rending that veil, it really shows us that, that things are not what they appear to be. But take it you know, everyone should take a deep breath. Look, we are in a very dangerous time, a very historically dangerous time. But you know, there's a vortex of change and vortex of of confusion is part of the um, it's a tool of the globalists, right? To, uh, that's the way I see it. But yeah, absolutely, it's de- it's definitely a tool. Um, and you see, you see this this effort to to make us too afraid to move, but happy enough to stay where we're at. Uh, you have this, you know, a big push to make us, you know, with all this immediate gratification of just the welfare state, trophies for everyone. Uh, it's really this this push to be, hey, you're you're good enough where you're at, but also to say, hey, you, there's this boogeyman out there, and it's gonna get you if you're not careful. And that's, you know, we talk about the brave new world right there. Um, it's just, it's, it's something that people are starting to wake up to, and it's really encouraging because what I've noticed throughout this this serious situation is people are reacting as they're like, wait a second, I'm not so sure about that, M- quicker than they're saying, oh, we need to go bomb and we need to go attack. Uh, and I think that's that's a really encouraging step to me. That's really, I really see the tide continuing to change. Now, if Donald Trump goes in there and starts bombing the crap out of that place and, and infiltrates it, then I think we maybe should be a little concerned. But right but, now, well, it's just... I, I, yeah, but I think you nailed it because as you just mentioned, people are intelligent. The people who listen to the alternative media, the new media, the honest media, your your information, our information, they have a brain. They can think for themselves. They're, they're saying, okay, so, uh, wait a second. We've heard this before. It doesn't sound right. Well, let's verify. And you know what? No one can refute that. The, the, uh, the mainstream corporate captured mass media, they can't refute it, so they they got to shut us up. And they're doing so by these minions who file lawsuits, by these morons who, who want to sow chaos and discord uh, through their uh, vexatious litigation, as well as the Zuckerbergs of the world, these mopes who want to censor us. And there yeah. you go. Yeah, and you guys, but you guys are ready for it. That's the thing is that this generation, my generation specifically, has been has has been raised on this idea that failure is the worst thing that can ever happen. And they don't, and this generation hasn't been allowed to fail at things. Your generation was allowed to fail. You kind of were able to fail, redirect, get back up again, and and build this thick skin to come after it. So with them attacking you, you're used to this because that's what you grew up on. But our generation is just, it's the snowflake generation. I mean, when Trump got elected, what did they do? They didn't know how to handle failure. They just sat and screamed in the air. It's it's like this war on failure that we have in our society is something that we don't address very often, but it's so prevalent. Everyone gets a trophy. The welfare state, the you know Common Core, the, the the teaching to the lowest common denominator, so no one fails and no one feels bad and people's emotions don't get hurt. I mean, that's what this generation is is being raised up on, and it's just it's it's so when when events like this happen with Syria or with North Korea or with uh, the Second Amendment or with the First Amendment, when they start giving us this boogeyman. People just freak out. They don't know how to handle it uh, unless they are—they've been through a tragic time before in their life, or they've been allowed to fail. They can kind of—they can handle it. They can—they can regroup and be like, "All right, let's put our head on straight." It's something like 
Like a good example is you, you always want to be the person in a tragedy that can make the tough choices. So like if, if, uh, if a family member dies or something like that, uh, you want to be the one that can kind of wrap your head around it and make the choices because that puts you in control. The people who are freaking out over the Syria thing and, and are panicking that the world's going to end, they're bunkering down. They're starting to withdraw. But the people who have their head on straight, like you guys, they're like, you guys are like, calm down. We got this. We're on the winning team, first of all, and and we can take control of what's going on. And let's not give in to this narrative of fear, and let's not give in to this narrative of just you are good enough where you're at, but let's let's go after it. Let's progress. Let's become better people and take control um, of our reality. And it's it's really interesting that our, our brains are actually set up the same way. Um, there's, to kind of get a little scientific, I guess, there's... Um, there's two types of behaviors in our brain. It's called the withdrawal behavior and the approach behavior. So the withdrawal is kind of what it sounds like. You kind of withdraw into yourself. Um, this is triggered by things like fear, like I talked about before, because you're too afraid to move, too afraid to, to know what's going on. Uh, oddly enough, it's also triggered by things um, like happiness or immediate gratification. Your brain gets filled with dopamine, um, and you're just you're just kind of a content, happy person that's not looking to move, but you also have this fear that everything's going to be taken away from you uh, immediately. So you just try to remain status quo. You don't try to move. Uh, but the flip side of that would be the approach behavior, which I feel like the alternative media really has. Uh, it involves um, getting your endorphins going and sustained um, a sustained joy to it. Uh, it's all about goal-focused orientation, progress moving forward, and ultimately. It's the difference between having hope and not having hope. If you're all worried about the future, about your immediate happiness being taken away, you don't have hope. You're just afraid. But what we have here now starting to rise up and starting to have a trend in our society is this this hope and this goal, you know, trying to progress, trying to make things better instead of just being afraid. And so when this when, this, when Syria happens, we can sit back and look at it and be like, you know, that's just another tactic to try to scare us into a place that we don't want to be in. People just aren't buying it anymore. You know, if, if I can if I can just make one minor correction to what you said, we don't have this. God's got this. Yeah. And, you, you know, but I know that's, I mean, that's what you meant. Um, the uh, and, and you're right about your, the two types of behavior. But, you know, faith overcomes, or if, if, in my view, what I've found, at least in my experience, faith, when you have faith, you understand that God's got this. He's in control. Uh, things are happening. And, and isn't it interesting, Sam, that, that the people who lack faith or lack a belief, the belief in God, in the God of the Bible, they're the ones who are screaming at the sky. They're the ones who are uh, withdrawing. They're the ones who are getting into that uh, whatever mindset, that shriveling mindset. Yeah, it, it's... You know, yeah, definitely. It's you. Well, the effort to take morals out of our society. This is a one of those goals is to make us not be able to have a foundation to stand on. To say when things are starting to fall from the sky, you'd be like, oh, you know what? It's going to be okay. I'm not too. I'm, I mean, I'm I'm prepared and I'm ready for it and I know what's going on. But it's going to be okay. And so this this move to take the morals out of our society is really detrimental and and actually a really important piece to moving us to a communistic state or a uh, a globalist controlled state. Uh, you guys have heard the uh, the Friedrich Nietzsche quote, um, "God is dead," right? Yeah. 
Well, it's that quote is actually, if you read the whole thing, it really is more of a, a warning about taking morals out of our society. Uh, it, it's the whole quote goes something like, um, God is dead and we killed him. And how will we wipe the blood off our hands? Who will come to comfort us? Who will be, who will make us pure again? And it even goes on to say the churches in our society are just tombs of a dead God. And it, it's, it's a very lamenting, um, way to look at the world with no morals. Now, I'm not saying Nietzsche was a Christian apologetic by any means because he said a lot of really nasty things about, uh, Christianity, but, the, the, he really made an important point about the morals in society. And if we don't have these morals to direct us, then we end up in a place, and he even went on to predict the, the rise of the Soviet Union, uh, and the rise of the communism state, uh, across, you know, all the parts of the world. And so he saw the importance of morals, and we have to be able to get back to scripture and get back to our Bibles, and, and, and that, that's what faith is. Faith is a, is an action, uh, to the, to counteract the evil going on in our world. And that's that's what it is. It's setting a goal on how to change what is not right in our world to get it back to glorifying to God. And and God has given us power to do that. Um, you know, they say that there was a reprieve when Donald Trump got into office. If anything, it feels like it's, it's ramping up and that we have to be more vigilant and uh, be more proactive on things. So uh, I definitely see... Um, it's definitely got to go back to, to, to the morals in our society and the scripture. So I 100% agree with that. Sam, let me ask you this. You, know, you talked about the importance to a, to implementing a communist uh, system of government is to Im- introduce this immorality and uh, to push it. We've seen the media uh, just absolutely explode in these areas of, of promoting the perversion, the, the immorality uh, from abortion to transgenderism and on and on and on. How much of an impact do you think, an influence do you think the mainstream media is having in normalizing these types of behaviors? Have they been successful? I mean, it seems that they've been able to normalize things like transgenderism, even to where the church is is getting on board and not only accepting but celebrating these types of behaviors. How much do you think the mainstream media's influence has been today, uh, coming up to today? I think it has it has been very, very strong, um, and especially throughout... Um, you know the 70s and 80s uh, and the 90s. I think that people are starting to wake up, and it's having less an effect. I mean, you can see that with your rise in number, with your growing audience, because you guys produce such a great program. People are starting to be like, well, I don't want to listen to this crap about no morals in our society. I want, I want something that's that's faith based, that has morals to it, that will, you know, lay it, tell the truth like it is. So yeah, I think it has been extremely influential in in normalizing things and. Um, I think another thing that's been extremely influential in normalizing these things is the online communities that people don't realize who they're talking to. So you have things like, you know, all sorts of forum boards like uh, like Reddit or the YouTube comments or, um, you know, all those different, you know, Facebook. And, and a lot of these things are just bots commenting. They're not even real people. But you, when, you, when you're kind of scrolling through those forums and maybe doing some research on different topics, you start to see a lot of people having this idea that, transgender is is a normal thing and you start to say well maybe i'm the outlier maybe i'm not so um maybe i'm i'm the one that's wrong and it kind of starts to normalize it in your mind at least so i think in, to, in today's age in this generation that type of deceit is far more effective in normalizing um this these sinful behaviors what, and, what a perfect point man i mean you're, you're right on the money with that 
because it's the normalization process of the perversion that they, and the fact that everyone, hey, you know what, we we're, we have to be more tolerant. Like hell we do. No, <laughs> the, the, the problem is we are too tolerant, too tolerant of the perversity, too tolerant of, of, the, uh, of the progressive mindset that is polluting our society, too tolerant of the people who want to rip down the, the statues, the, the attack our, our culture and heritage. Too tolerant of the people who murder children, unborn children. Too tolerant, and I can go on with the list, but you're absolutely right. No one is, no one should, uh, normalize this, and we have to take a stand, and, and faith is not a passive, uh, stance. Uh, Occupy is not passive. We, we need to have skin in the game, because you know what? You, everyone else uh, that, that is doing this, we can make the change. We can, we can, because if, if not, we're just talking behind a microphone. But like you, we're attempting to enact change. And, oh, and, and we are. We yeah. We are. I mean, you can see, I mean, you can, I think, I mean, you see things like, like Hollywood. Um, they have had a rise of producing Christian films because that's what people want. And I think, I and mean, that's another repercussion that we really have to watch out for in this Syria issue, is if we go in guns a blazing, or we go in and start bombing the place, there's going to be this this huge rise of Syrian refugees that are going to need somewhere to go, and the left is going to push the idea that we have to bring them here, and that's going to that's going to dilute our culture to a place that is is not based on Christianity anymore. It's not going to be uh, this moral these morals that we need to reinstitute in our society. So I think that's something that we really have to be careful for in this situation. I mean, they've done it before with with the Syrian refugees. They're going to do it again because they they don't know how to create a new playbook. It's the same things over and over. So to, to, to be prepared for that, if they start, I'm, I'm sure you're going to start hearing about it if Donald Trump doesn't do anything. If he doesn't move on this and doesn't act, the left is going to be like, wow, you don't care about these women and children. Newsflash, if you're seeing women and children in the news as victims, someone is probably lying to you because they're trying to play on your emotions and it's not you're not getting the whole story. So we have to really be careful of that next action going forward with this, this made-up Syria story. Yeah, we do. And what's really shocking to me is how the news media, the uh, politicians, the pundits, the analysts have already decided that Assad is guilty without even any evidence that this actually took place and that, uh, or, or anything to in- indicate that uh, this is the way it is. We're not provided any evidence except one video uh, allegedly taken uh, by this, this group of the White Hats. And what I find interesting is on, if you go on YouTube, you can find dozens of videos of people creating and staging terror attacks. Even videos of uh, I think it was Palestinians teaching children how to do a mock gas attack. And we I watched this video yesterday. I posted the link in YouTube. In this in this age of, of technology and the ability to, to manipulate images through CGI and uh, other computer technology, how can we even trust uh, things that we see at this point? Because anything can be manufactured. I mean, look at what Hollywood has been able to do, and and for decades now. Imagine what they are able to do, uh, and the, the uh, things that they have that we have not even seen yet. I mean, are we at a point now where we can't believe videos we see online or on TV or anywhere else? I think so. What do you think, Sam? Yeah, it's it's tough. You know, ultimately, I don't 
<laughs> I don't really trust anyone I listen to uh, just because you're setting yourself up for, you know, a, a dangerous territory. I, I would I even tell my listeners not to just don't trust me. Don't take my word for it. Do your own research and start looking into things because you really don't know. You just don't know who's out there to hurt you. You don't know who's out there to, to spread this fear in your life. On the flip side, you don't know who's out there just to preach to you that everything is going to be perfectly wonderful and happy-dory. You know, that's what we see in the prosperity gospel, and, and a large part of our churches today is they just preach this happiness and pretend everything's okay. So you really have to be careful on both sides of that. So you, so I don't, it's just tough. It's a tough world we live in, but guess what? We don't need to worry about We don't need to have all the videos. We have this book here that was given to us that has all the answers in it and has everything lined out, and you just have to compare the events going on in our world today with what it says in Scripture. Scripture says, faith without actions is dead. So if you're sitting on your couch, you're just listening to radio, you're not doing anything, well, listen, that's part of the problem. We need to start moving. You need to set a goal in your life. You have to have a reason, a purpose moving forward. Scripture says, Submit all your ways to the Lord, and he will guide your steps. Well, that means submit a goal that you have to God, and he will guide your steps. Oftentimes, you're going to end up somewhere completely different from where your goal is, but you'll, you'll get these endorphins going, and you'll, you'll start feeling better about your life, and you'll start to change the world. And that's what, that's what I try to do on the Sharpen Report. That's what you guys are doing on the Hagman Report. Uh, and I know a lot of your listeners uh, in the chat are just fantastic people who are ready for battle. Uh, with the, the, the Occupy 2018 coming up conference, that's just a uh, battle cry. So you, you see a lot of change. You see people starting to create goals. We just got to keep people, keep getting people in the fight and keep having people set goals in their own lives, in their own local areas. It's not, you're not gonna, it's not going to be a top-down change. It never will be a top-down change. It's a grassroots change that every person needs to make in their life. They have to reinstitute the morals of the Bible into their life to change our reality and change our country. And it won't matter. It's when things like Syria happen and they try to lie to us, we can all just look at that and just be like, you're stupid because I'm not going to believe that because it's full of crap. And then you can really wake up and be able to progress forward and, and change the world. And that's what we're doing here. And I think a lot of more people are starting to join the fight, too. Very well said. Sam, we only have about a minute and a half left. Tell people about your show, The Sharpening Report, and where and when uh, they can find it. Yeah, so The Sharpening Report is on YouTube, uh, thesharpeningreport.com. It's also over on Blog Talk and iTunes. Um, it's, it, I try to post it every Friday at around 5.30. It's an, usually about an hour-long show. Um, so I used to post it at 5.30. So everyone who's listening to The Hackman Report can watch it at 5.30 till 6.30, and then they can have time to jump over to the Hagman Report and watch the Hagman Report, and they can all talk about how wonderful the show was and everything like that. It's the second best show with the report in its name next to you guys. Um, oh, oh, also, Joe, I just want to let you know that I posted your spiritual story today, um, so you can go take a look at that as well. Awesome. Yeah, I, I uh, got to sit down and do an interview with Sam uh, not too long ago. What is it, about a month ago now? And yeah. uh, that, was, that was a lot of fun. And uh, we got to meet Sam in Gurney, Illinois, just north of Chicago, uh, at the conference that Pastor Paul Begley held there. Uh, just It's been almost a year already. It seems like it was just uh, yesterday. But, Sam, thank you so much for, for joining us, and uh, excellent insight as always. And we yes, look forward you, to, to continue to working with you in the future. Yeah, absolutely, guys. I, I love being on the show, and uh, I'll be praying for you, and keep up the good fight. All right, you as well. Man. Yeah, you, you, great man, Sam Johnson, Sharpening Report. Folks, definitely tune in. Thank you so much, my brother. Appreciate it.
And Sam mentioned the Occupy 2018 conference, and that is coming up April 20th, 21st, and 22nd in Canton, Ohio. Go to Coach Dave Live. You can register there, buy your tickets there while they are still available. And Hurry then up, you can man. see Hurry up. great speakers like, uh, we're, we're going to be there. John, yeah, is great, be great, there. great You're people see like us. Man. Vizdar, Pastor Paul <laughs> Begley, who was on last night, and so many others that we will have on the show each day running up to the conference. But again, CoachDaveLive.com, Occupy 2018 is the name of the conference in Canton, Ohio. If you want to go, get your tickets as soon as possible. And you want to go because we're going to be there. Come on now. But, but you're right, Joe. Tickets. I mean, do it now. Two weeks, right? Yep. All right. When we come back, Pastor David Langford will be on with us. Don't go anywhere. This is the Hagman Report. It is Wednesday, April 11th, 2018. You know, the headlines are dire. The, the, the news, oh man. I, let me just say this. Like I said at the beginning, everyone just take a breath. God's got this. God's got this. There, there's a, an interesting dynamic between faith and the, uh, and as Sam Johnson said, the, uh, the, 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 uh, uh, the paralysis that the headlines, dire headlines brings, or they bring, I should say. But God's got this. And, and also, you know, we have to question everything. Don't trust what you see, what you hear. Just prepare. Be sensible. Prepare. But don't be paralyzed by the headlines. Alright? It's a, it's a line that you can walk when you walk in faith. Pastor Langford is on with us every Wednesday. He's, he delivers a fantastic spiritual shot, a good B12 shot, which is exactly what I need after being in the swamp, the belly of the beast, Washington, D.C. I can still smell it, by the way, wiping that smell off after being there around Zuckerberg and uh, that whole process. But uh, before we get to Pastor David Langford, you know, we talk about the headlines. We talk about the times in which we live. You know, I'm so glad that I've got my wife. I, I, our relationship, I mean, married 30, over 30 years now. I don't know. I can't, it's, but you've got to have a special someone in my, in my view. If you have that special someone in your life, it makes things a lot easier. Now, let me talk to the single people out there listening to this show. Do you have that special someone? Are you looking for that special someone? I, I, let, let me just guide you to the place for that. I'm not big on online dating services. And chances are, if you've tried online dating services, chances are you've run into lazy text messages, dead-end conversations, random matches that don't turn into dates, and and other things. Well, have you seen the success stories from eHarmony? Real people finding real matches with eHarmony. Now, people like Lisa and Mark never thought we'd meet somebody online that was so compatible. We're so grateful that we're able to find each other. And the success stories are are plentiful. And I often talk about my neighbor, his son, their son. And 
I think now it's 14, 14 months going strong with a match made on eHarmony. Christian, nice Christian young girl, or girl and nice Christian young man together. Oh, folks, the experience of the eHarmony. Uh, in fact, I should have him on just to talk about that for about five minutes because it's, it's fantastic. eHarmony takes steps that other dating sites don't in order to find you a more compatible match. They, eHarmony is built to help you find lasting, meaningful relationships. And this is not, not a shallow hookup site. They've helped over a million people find their perfect match. eHarmony uses decades of science, data, psychological research to send you the right matches. They bring compatible people together. You know what? The number one most trusted dating site or app based on a 2018 survey of 1,616 U.S. singles based on a 2018 survey of 1,600 U.S. singles. Now, right now, here's the deal. Right now, our listeners can get a free month with eHarmony when they sign up for three months. When you sign up for three months, you get a free month with eHarmony. Enter our code HAGMAN, that's H-A-G-M-A-N-N, at checkout. So stop waiting and start your journey to a satisfying, meaningful relationship. You know, it could be fun to play around with online dating apps, but when you're ready to fall in love with someone and have a meaningful relationship, and you can find that good Christian man, good Christian woman out there, that that meaningful relationship, there is an app that's built to bring you real love. eHarmony, come and see how eHarmony can change your life. Go to eHarmony.com and get started. Enter our code HAGMAN at checkout again for that that's free month on the three-month subscription. And again, it's it's uh, it's something when you can, when you have a relationship, and marriages are so important, relationships are so important, uh, the common the ideology, you know, the, the the common interests, so important. I know my wife is my grounding rod. She is, I love her to death. I mean, we've been married, again, three decades uh, over that. I don't know. It's a long time. She's sick of me. No, she's not. No, she's my, she's my, uh, she's my stabilizer. But see, that's what you can get. So, uh, eHarmony.com and use our code Hagman at checkout. And again, it, it is not a shallow dating site. And I, I said, the, the real people, and even my neighbor. So, hey, Brett, how you doing? I'm sure he, he probably doesn't like me talking about him, but anyway. No. Uh, but, but again, uh, stench from this fetid swamp off of wiping that off. Uh, and uh, I'll get into that more tomorrow. But, uh, Joe? Yeah, we have uh, with us Pastor David Langford from The Voice of Evangelism. He joins us each Wednesday in the third hour and always brings uh, very insightful uh, personal and uh, from his pastoral duties you call it a, a sermon if you will but a great teaching each and every week great biblical insight and this week pastor we have been talking about Syria the Middle East and the potential for international conflict and uh, it, it seems very tense a lot of people are nervous but it's great to have you on on this Wednesday well, it's a great joy to be with you guys tonight, and there is a lot of things taking place. I was just thinking today, because I don't always get to hear your programs every day. I uh, I think it was two weeks ago we uh, we spoke about provocation, and then last week we spoke about sifting. And I think we're witnessing both of these simultaneously right now and you know I would like to ask you guys a question before we kind of start tonight 
you know, Trump was talking about pulling out of Syria. And then less than a week, we have a gas attack on his own people, Assad. Do you think the deep state did that for the purpose of keeping us locked in the Middle East? Well, uh, Pastor, yeah, your your uh, train of thought is absolutely correct. I am personally questioning whether this even happened or not. Uh, and, well, let's just say it did happen as being re- as reported. Uh, I do not believe for a second that Assad or the pro-Syrian government forces had anything to do with it. And there's been, uh, as much as we can trust, some of the Russian ambassadors and other politicians who have stated they've sent teams into Duma and they've tested several sites and they have found no evidence of any chemical weapons attack. But again, and, the, and at the beginning, should of we program, believe them exactly? And Pastor, just to kind of expand upon that because this is important. At the beginning of the program, I was talking about the Hillary Kerry policy that brought us to the point where we are today. Assad is not going to be taken down. Of course, it's all about regime change. But who's reporting this? It's uh, the Syrian Observatory for Human Rights. One guy. That's one guy in Coventry, UK. The um, White Helmets, funded uh, by $100 million from the U.S., U.K., and Europe. There's no one in eastern Aleppo has heard, by the way, of the White Helmets. And eastern Aleppo is is the kind of the epicenter. And um, bottom line here is there's not one international organization on the ground, not one in eastern Aleppo, yet we're hearing this, we're seeing it, but when you trace it back to its origins. It's only the words of maybe two, three people. Kind of like the incubator story back in 1990. Exactly. That that was exactly where I was going uh, in Kuwait. Uh, what they were demonstrating to get the American people riled up to do something. But there is a prophecy. You know, it, I'm sure you guys have heard it, heard of it. Many listening tonight have Isaiah 17 and 1, the burden of Damascus. Behold, Damascus is taken away from being a city. It shall be a ruinous heap. And then in verse 14, that's the last verse in chapter 17. And behold, at evening tide, trouble. And before the morning he is not. This is the portion of them that spoil us and the lot of them that rob us. Uh, Of course, there's been talk about even taking out Damascus. Uh, as far as I know, my research, going back trying to find the utter total destruction of Damascus, has never been totally destroyed. They've had wars, etc., but they've not been totally destroyed and wiped off the map. And uh, that's what this prophecy declares will happen, a ruinous heap. Uh, that, that's not much left when it's just a ruinous heap. Um, you know, pondering all of these things that are taking place, uh, the provocation, uh, and you got the point, well, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Doug, when you said, you know, when somebody's putting their finger in your chest, um, the very fact that Trump's lawyer, Cohen, was done like he was done, uh, they're, they're trying to provoke an event uh, or provoke Trump to do something to create an event. Um, because he has been the disruptor. He has this Netanyahu thought out of the box. And he's not one of them. 
and that's why they can't stand what's taking place. And, you know, it's kind of one against a multitude. But, you know, when God is in something, uh, his will is going to be done. I got an email yesterday from a couple, Patrick and Evelyn Cusack. They live in Texas, and they said John Kilpatrick gave a prophecy, I think, last week. And, and, and this event would something would be something take place in a couple weeks that would be very humbling. He didn't know if it was for the nation, an individual, or what. But as I said two weeks ago, uh, the provocation and then the sifting, it's, it's, I see it, every one of us, America as a nation, our leaders, ministries, ministers, God is going to allow us all to be put in the sieve. And we're going to be winnowed. We're going to be, the chaff's going to be thrown up in the air. And the wind, which is the Spirit of God, uh, Psalms 1 4, the wind will drive away the chaff, and he burns up the chaff with unquenchable fire, John the Baptist said in Matthew 3 and 11 and 12. So it, it, there's no doubt things are ratcheting up. And we've witnessed for years, you know, untold pressure. And it it seems like it was going to explode, and then we'd get into the fall of the year, and it would almost come to a a pinnacle, and then Thanksgiving, Christmas, and then it would just, the air was let out of a balloon, and then every new year it would start, you know, building momentum again. But this time has been different. The, the, the momentum has not waned. It has not abated in any way. It's only ratcheting up. And I believe this time there's going to be an event. Now, whether uh, it's through provocation or whether it's the New World Order, people have to understand they desire, they covet a world without borders. And so many of our politicians in America are in absolute agreement with that. You know, Hillary was trying to keep it under wraps, but she ultimately, you know, let it be known. She was all for a a one-world government. And here's the thing. Somebody like herself, she thinks she's going to run it. This is this is the deception. Paul in 2 Timothy 3.13, he said, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Not only do they deceive us, manipulate us, coerce us, but they themselves are becoming more and more deceived. Luke, in his account of the temptation uh, in Luke chapter 4, which is synonymous with Matthew chapter 4, but in Luke 4, 6, And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. What was, what was he showing him? Verse 5. He was showing him the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Well, take that verse and parallel that with 1 John two fifteen and 16. John said, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it is not of the Father, but it is of the world. And the word world in the Greek is always cosmos. And so the world is trying to put its 
slant on everything, and it regretfully has put a great slant on the modern church. You know, we, we don't hear the gospel preached anymore. There's no conviction anymore. You know, I could, I could read emails that I've gotten since last week of, of people giving their heart to the Lord, getting out of adultery, getting out of fornication. One young man emailed me yesterday, I believe it was, or, or Monday. Uh, he was getting off of the opiates, uh, lost his phone, couldn't find his phone, was looking under the driver's seat, found his phone, but he also found four hydrocodone pills, and he took them. And just terribly remorseful and sorrowful. And, and I told him, I said, hey, just you got to get up and you got to keep going on. You can't quit just because you fall. You can't quit. But that's why David in Psalms 37, 23, he said, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, for he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young, and now am old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful, and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. Now, David is, is, is giving us this passage and he says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. God delights in ordering all of our steps, and he wants our steps in according to his will. So he wants to order them. David said in Psalms 119, verse 133, Order my steps in thy word, let no iniquity have dominion over me. That word dominion always means authority or lordship. David was said, never suffer sin to have lordship over my life. So the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. They're literally established. They are directed by God. Why? Because you're delighting. As long as you're delighting in the Lord, as long as you're applying yourself to be a follower of Christ, he's going to take the time to order your steps. And then he says there in verse 24, though he fall, there's not a Christian person that has never fallen never made a mistake, never made a misstep. We all, because I don't believe in sinless perfection, that's not an excuse for people to live in sin. But as long as we're held hostage to this clay earthen jar that we live in, we, with the propensity, the proclivity to sin exists. Isaiah 26, 3 said, whose mind is stayed on thee, he will keep him in perfect peace. I don't have time to sin. I, I, I writing newsletters, doing my programming, programming for you guys, uh, trying to pray, trying to fast, uh, trying to stay in the Word. I, I just don't have time for that. Uh, my life is very spiritual, not secular. I don't say that arrogantly or braggingly, but that's my life ministry. So I don't have a lot of time to get carnally minded per se. I can be. We all have that ability. Our faculties will tend to take us that way. But that's a, a mature Christian will recognize that. Uh, a mature Christian knows, you know what? I need to go pray. I need to go read my Bible. I've, I've got to get my flesh in subjection. My flesh is out of control. And if I keep going like I'm going, I'm going to fall, and I'm going to not only be hurt myself, I'm going to hurt others. 
You know, so many people I've heard them say, well, my sin doesn't bother or hurt anybody but me. That's not true. That drunken husband, and yes, I said tonight, drunken husband, he doesn't see what it's doing to his wife and to his children. Maybe he has the business, his employees. He doesn't see the damage. Sometimes it is irreparable damage. It can never be fixed. And I, and I get the emails from the wives, and, and I get emails from husbands whose wives are just like the, those that are carnally minded, though they're the, they play the role of the husband. It, it works on both sides of the street. And a Christian, because God has taken up a place of residence in our hearts, a Christian should be able to recognize, I'm going in the wrong direction. I'm becoming tepid. I'm becoming indifferent. I'm becoming lukewarm. You know, we have, uh, some, they just call them idiot lights on the dash of the car, you know, uh, now the cars have gone back to gauges, but we still have idiot lights, check engine light, you know, uh, oil, uh, whatever it might be, telling you there's a problem. The child of God, because of the presence of God in our lives, is always there to say, hey, you need a spiritual checkup, pal. You're going down the wrong path. You've gone a whole week and you've never read your Bible, you've never prayed, you've never communed or talked with God, how long do you think you can continue to go like that and and not do something really bad and, and suffer great consequences? You just can't keep doing that. It's, it's like abandoning all common sense in, in mechanicing or carpentry. You know, if you, if, you, if you act foolish, you're going to lose a limb, you're going to cut off a hand, you're going to cut off a finger. I remember a guy was telling me a story the guy was at a sawmill. He was cutting a, a block of wood, he said, probably about, I don't know, 25 inches in diameter. And somebody asked him, said, do you think the saw blade is, is going all the way through to the other side? You know what the guy did? Not thinking. He put his hand under the wood to see if the saw blade had come through. Well, he just cut his whole, wow. all four fingers, just snapped. They, they were gone. But see, that, 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 just that moment of not thinking cost him, you know, four of his fingers. Just not thinking and, and, and just reacting. But when a person is trying to serve God with a pure heart, the Holy Spirit will say, hey, pal, you're getting ready to fall. And you're getting ready to get hurt. We've all, <laughs> I know Doug, you've warned Joe when he was a little fella. Out, you're cruising for a bruising. You, you, you're, you're, you're headed in the wrong direction. Still well, that's not out of malice or hatred. That's out of love. Because no parent wants to see their child get hurt, especially if the parent can do something to negate it, if they can do something to stop it. But see, pride gets in the way, and then we don't want to have to deal with it, so we become arrogant. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. Then he says in verse 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such is as common to man. So whatever you're going through, those of you listening tonight, you're not the only one going through that temptation or that trial. That's why Paul used that phraseology. There hath no temptation taken you, but such is as common to man. What you're going through is common among all of us, every one of us. But 
Here's what he said. But God is faithful. God is there. But God is faithful who will not suffer you. That word suffer in the Greek always means allow or... God will not allow, God will not tolerate you to be tempted above that ye are able. That's where you hear that they've they've paraphrased that. He won't put more on you than you can bear. That's, That's how that's been paraphrased through the years. God won't put more on you than you can bear. God will put more on you than you can handle. And that's true. But here's the key. Here's the key to both of those verses. But will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Now you say, what do you mean God's going to make a way of escape? God is going to make a way for you to get out of that if you'll look for the exit door. You know, common sense says if you're in a building and they start hollering fire, and it's a it's a large building, uh, a common sense, I always I've learned years ago, when you go into a building, look for other exit doors. Don't look to go out the way you came in. Because that's, that's the herd mentality. That's why people get stampeded and run over. They're trying to get out the same door they came in. If you just look to your left or look to your right or look further up front, or wherever the case might be, look for another exit. There'll be just a few people going out those doors because that's that's the that's the herd mentality. So Paul tells the believer, he said, God will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, Potiphar's wife physically laid her hands on Joseph. But he loved God so much, he chose to run out of his garment. He found a way of escape. Now, of course, she lied on him, and she maligned him and his character, and he was ultimately put in prison. But he said, I cannot do this wicked thing, neither can I sin against my God. And he's talking about Potiphar. He said, you know, he's, he's made me Lord of his house over everything he has, and I cannot do this evil thing. Too many times... We don't look for the way of escape. But God said in his word, he, with, with, with the temptation, I want you to get this. This is very important. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it? In other words, if you'll take the exit, and once you get out the exit, guess what? The pressure is relieved. The temptation is mitigated. The temptation is over with. That's why Paul told Timothy, he said, flee youthful lust. You know, don't coddle it, don't play with it, but you flee from it. Because if you tarry long, you'll do something wrong. So going back to Psalms 37, 23, 24, 25, though he fall. So, so it's nothing, how do I want to say this? It's wrong to fall, but it's nothing uncommon for men to fall or to fail God. Because of, as I said, being held hostage, being held captive to this clay jar. But here's what he said. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. If you, if you still, if you fall... If you will still hold to his hand, he will pull you back up out of that miry clay, that horrible pit, the psalmist declared. When my kids were little, I've used this analogy so many times because it is so apropos. When walking across an asphalt parking lot and they had my hand, 
they may, you know, they're two, two and a half, three years old, they may stumble. And if, if, I, if they didn't have a hold of my hand, they would fall and terribly skin their knees. But my strength in my arm, I would just pull them up, just, just like a crane. I'd pull them up and never allow them to fall. See, they did fall, but they did not utterly fall and get their knees skinned. Why? Because Dad upheld them with my own hand. And then David, obviously, is getting old in age. So he says, I have been young, and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. I'm 63 years of age. I can look back over the last 40 years in serving the Lord. God has never failed me. I wish I could say that in return. I wish I could say I've been a perfect man, but I haven't. I have my humanity. I have my flaws. I have my imperfections. I still have them. But I try to keep them buried. I try to keep myself sanctified, which the Greek word is hagamos. It means to continue to keep yourself set apart. There are things in life that we set apart. There are things that we embrace, that we love, uh, objects, heirlooms, whatever. We, we nurture, we take care of those. And because of that, we set them apart. And we protect them, we preserve them, we watch over them. That that we just don't really care about, we'll buy another one and replace it. It is not guarded with that kind of affection. But we are to set ourselves apart for the Lord. Now, when God saves us, redeems us with his blood, he is setting us apart for his for himself. See, now we're joined to his body. It's like a it's like a it's like a marriage. It's a mystery, Paul said in Ephesians five. It's a great mystery. We become a part of the body of Christ when we give our heart to the Lord. Now we're his. When he said in Leviticus and in Deuteronomy, uh, to not, he said, take, don't take my name in vain. He was not talking about taking his name and damning something. You know, we hear people take God's name and just damn everything. Just curse vehemently. That's, that's not taking God's name in vain. That's just swearing. Matter of fact, I heard someone the other day who professed to be a minister swear on the air. I heard them. And I thought, you need to go back and read Matthew 5 and 34. You need to read James 5 and 12. Because the Bible says swear not at all. So I'm not saying swearing will send you to hell, but don't try to teach people how to live right and you're doing things. The Bible emphatically says don't do it. Don't do those things. But now that we're set apart, we keep ourselves set apart. Second Timothy 2.21, Paul said, If a man therefore shall purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel of honor that is sanctified and meet for the master's use. Now there are men who do construction, woodwork, uh, pottery, art, They'll have a piece of something, and they'll, they'll say, I'm saving that. Why? Well, I've got a special use. I've got a special purpose for that, whatever that it might be. Uh, you know, in, in, the, in the media ministry, or I should say media industry, 
it may be a microphone, it, it may be a, a camera, but but there's things that we 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 saving that for this. We, we, we're not just going to use that up now, but we're going to keep that uh, for a, for a momentous event or whatever the case might be. Well, this is the attitude that a Christian is supposed to embrace and keeping themselves for the Lord. When when Paul there in Second Corinthians eleven said, I want to present you as a chaste virgin, what he was saying is, I don't want you to be fornicated with. You see, the people unknowingly, unknowingly are spiritually fornicated with through false doctrine. That's why it's called harlotry, it's called idolatry, and it's called fornication. That you can, of course, have physical fornication, the actual sexual act, but you can start embracing false doctrine, and that is fornicating. And and see, Paul is these converts, and there was no more immoral, debased, debauched church than the church at Corinth. I mean, these people were, you know, Paul even says there in 2 Corinthians 5, or 1 Corinthians 5, he said, the kind of fornication that, that I have found in this church, he said, it's not even... Among, named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. In other words, they now they believe history records theologically and, and apologetics that the son was sleeping with his father's wife, who they believe was his stepmother. And Paul is saying, "You got to be kidding me! This this kind of fornication is not it, it's not even named among the Gentiles." And here you're supposed to be uh, Jewish converts, and you know absolutely that it's wrong, but you obviously don't. You don't care. You, you, you know, he said you're, you're actually. He said you're, you know, you're, you're puffed up in this thing. You, you, you are. You're so messed up. It's it's pathetic. But Second Corinthians eleven two, Paul said, "For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin." To Christ, but I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he, and here's here's what I'm talking about, the spiritual fornication, if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if he receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. In other words, if somebody comes along preaching another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel, you better flee from that person. And we have a lot of that in the church world today. I mean, you you can find a church that will embrace your lewdness, your perverted sexuality, lesbianism, homosexuality. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter. It, it just it doesn't matter. And, 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 of course, when Paul uses the word jealousy here, he's, he's not using it in a, a, a vindictive, malicious, I'll get even with you jealousy. It's, it's, the, it's, it's a goodly, he called it a godly jealousy. It's, it's the right kind uh, that he didn't want to lose them. He didn't want to win them to Jesus and then lose them. He, they, they were part of his labor of love. They were, they were fruit of his labor. Jesus said, I ordained you that you might go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit might remain. These these Corinthians were fruit of Paul's ministry, and Paul wanted that fruit to remain. And 
I know uh, there are people who've given their hearts to Christ under my ministry, and I see them two, three, four years later, and you know they're 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 back in their old sins, and uh, sometimes they come back, sometimes they don't, and and I know the difficulty in finding a good church and and finding a good place to go and to have fellowship. That is, we're, we're really praying about some things here in, in our ministry about maybe trying to have a Sunday morning worship service and, and do it live like you guys do uh, periodically each month. But I've, I've got to have the, 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 the help. Uh, you know, you can't, you know, do all that stuff and, 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 and preach and my wife sing and run the cameras and the audio, et cetera. So we're just praying about some things because I know there's such a, a deficit for people to find something to feed their souls. Every Just about every letter we get, will have a, a theme. You challenge me in my walk with God. You challenge me in my prayer life. You, you challenge me in my spiritual walk. You challenge me in my fasting. You challenge me. We well, see that's that's what we're supposed to do as ministers. You know, we're, we're 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 to challenge the people of God to say, "Hey, you need to dig deeper. You need to run harder. You need to run faster." Galatians five and six. Paul said, "Ye did run well." Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him who calleth you. Paul was telling them there at Galatia, he said, Hey, when I first came and preached this gospel, you guys were you were picking them up and you were putting them down. You were running. He said, Ye did run well. He says, But now who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. God will never say, Hey, stop, slow down. Because this is a spiritual race, and and you, you're, it's like the tortoise and the hare. You may not be the the, the the first to get in the race or the swiftest, but you've got to endure until the end. You've got to finish. See, and people finish at different at different times. Whether uh, we go to be with the Lord through death or whatever, uh, but we 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 all our goal in the end is to finish. Uh, when, when that time came for the Apostle Paul in Second Corinthians four. Verses 6 through 8, he said, For I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but at all them also that love his appearing. In other words, Paul says, You're going to receive the very same thing that I receive. But you're going to have to do what I did. And what was that? I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. That, that, is, that is certainty. I'm going to get this crown of righteousness, which the Lord, Jesus, who's the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, them also that love his appearing. So Paul qualifies and says, if you finish, you, 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 you finish the course, you fight the good fight, you keep the faith, you're going to receive a crown of righteousness. There are five crowns that we read about in the New Testament. I won't get into all of that, but there are five types of crowns that the believers can, I don't want to say earn, but be rewarded. Uh, Revelation 22, 12 Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly. My reward is with me to give every man according as his works 
shall be. Now, don't confuse that statement. Works do not save you. Works are a manifestation that you are saved. Prayer is a manifestation. (laughs) Believe you me, prayer is work. That's why people do very little of it. You know, I said to my wife just the other day, uh, her, her mother's been sick and different things, and she asked me to go with her. And I, I, I said, I need to go pray. I just need to go over to my office and get on my face before God and pray. I need to be touched. And I've said this to you listeners, there's never been a time that I have never gotten down to pray that I didn't get up feel better, feeling better about my circumstance or my situations. Nothing had changed. But I felt better because I was in the presence of God. Uh, Psalms sixteen eleven. In thy presence is fullness of joy. You've got to get into God's presence. God's presence is refreshing. You know, it's, it's better than seven up. It will do more than pick you up. It will it will edify you. That's 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 what the spirit of God and the word of God does is edifies us. And of course, edification simply means to build you up, to build you up in your faith. Uh, Jude verse twenty. But ye beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in the Spirit. He said, it will build you up. It will edify you. And, you know, I I know preachers don't preach about praying in the Spirit. uh, But when you get in God's presence, His presence is the Spirit of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 3.17, Paul said, Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You know, people, people say, well... Yeah, I don't. I don't get emotional when it comes to worship. I don't. I don't. I, I'm not an emotional person. Well, they're just lying. When that guy sits through that red light and it turns green and he just sits there, you just sit there with him, don't you? No. You get livid. You get upset. You start blowing the horn. I've heard some ugly stories of guys getting out and knocking out headlights. Why? They're emotional. Well. You get in the the presence of God, the Spirit of God will stir your spirit. He's he's in the business of stirring us up. Peter talks about stirring up your minds by way of remembrance, reminding them of, of, of our Lord Jesus Christ, reminding us of the great goodness of God, you know. Um, David, again, is tonight we shared that from Psalms 37. He said, I have been young. And now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor the seed begging bread. In other words, he says, I was young, I I took down Goliath with a slingshot, I slew a bear, I slew a lion. Now I'm an old man. And he said, and looking back over all the years, he said, not once did God ever forsake me. Did he fail God miserably? But God never abandoned him, and he suffered for his sins. He, he, because he committed adultery with Bathsheba and had Uzzah, or excuse me, Uriah, had him murdered, God said, David, the sword will never leave your house. You know, you, what you have done is, 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 is terrible. And, and he suffered till he died. You know, it was in his household, among his children. And uh, this, is the, this is the danger, as I said, people say, well, my, my sin's not affecting anybody. Oh, really? 
go back and reread David's life after he committed adultery with Bathsheba and had Joab put her husband at the front of the line of the battle and then draw the troops back so he'd be left alone so he could be killed in the battle. And that was David's way of covering his sin, so he thought. But see, God said, the sword will never leave your house. And, and, and it, was a, it was a terrible, terrible, terrible thing. And that's, you know, what sin does. It, it, it's, you know, the word cancer, uh, if you just look up the word cancer in the dictionary, it will say any evil condition that spreads destructively. But then you look up the word malignancy, and that says tends to produce death. Well, sin is a malignant cancer, and it will kill you. You know, a lot of times, having been a pastor throughout the years, I've, I've had members, church members, who would have a little bit of a problem and go to the hospital, and they'd send them home and say, you're, you're eat up. They'd get your house in order. Uh, hey, they were doing just fine. And it's like, in a moment's time, everything changed. Well, you see, that's what sin is doing. It's eating away. It's eroding away at your life a little by little, and you don't realize it till you till you hit a calamity. And that's where people sometimes think that now it's so irreparable, even God cannot help me. But it's it's never too late. If you're breathing, it's never too late to turn to God and say, "God, help me." You know the 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 the, the, uh, the prodigal son. And he spent all that he had in riotous living, and he found himself at the hog pen eating the husk of the swine. Now, here's a Jew in a hog pen eating husk. There was nothing more greater of a reproach than that. And the, the key to that is, it said when he came to himself, in other words, when he came to his senses, you see, the devil never wants any of us to come to our senses. Sin will dull your mind. Sin will take away your spiritual edge. Sin will cause you to compromise. Uh, it'll make you do things you know you shouldn't do, but you go ahead and do it because you don't think anybody knows. But there are two people who always know it, you and God. You know, I've got to live with myself at the end of the day. I was at a restaurant some months ago, and uh, I, I was this guy out of the blue, my family, my, my wife's two sisters, and their husbands and stuff were there, and as I was walking to the table carrying my plate or tray, we was at a cafeteria, this young man in his 30s said, hey, you mind if I eat with you guys? He was by himself, and I, I, I didn't know what to say, so I said, wait a minute. So I went on and took my tray, set it down on the table, and I said to my wife and my in-laws, I said, uh, this guy wants to eat with us. It's on a Sunday. He wants to eat dinner with us. You bring, yeah, bring him on over here. And so I, I brought him over there, and we talked. And in all the hustle and bustle, I, I picked up the tabs for everybody, and but nobody left a tip. And we left. And it was a, a very gracious uh, a black gentleman, uh, just overly servitude. And we, my wife and I got in the car. We, we were we were halfway home. And I said, did, did anybody leave that guy a tip? And my wife said, 
I don't I don't think so. I, I said, Sherry, Vicky, Carol, did it anybody? No. And I stopped and I turned around and I said, I can I can make this right. I can make this right. And I drove back to the cafeteria, I got out, I got a twenty dollar bill out of my pocket, I went in and I found that black waiter and I said, Sir, I want to apologize to you. I said, in all the hustle and bustle, I said we just got up and walked away from the table, and I'm sorry that we did that to you. He started crying, and I said, but I, I'm a man of God. I, I have integrity, and I said, I'm going to come back and make sure I, I, I can make this right, and I did make it right. See, there's some things in life you can't make right. I, I could go into a litany of things that I did as a sinner. I can never, ever, ever make it right. But I told my wife, I said, I can go back and make this right. He's still there. And so I drove back. My point is, this is this is when you walk with God, you, you, your standards, your integrity, your convictions won't allow you just to sweep it under the rug and say, "Oh, don't worry about it, man. It, it don't mean anything." Yes, it does. That may be the only seed that young black guy will ever have planted in his life. But he he knows there's people out there that have a love for God and are trying to do the right thing. Now we failed. We've we failed miserably having got up from the table and walked off. But my conscience was stirred for some reason. And and, and I asked my wife, did, did anybody take care of that? Because I was engaged with this this young man, and he, he had been a Catholic, and then he was, now he was a Lutheran, and I was trying to help him, just kind of an awkward situation, but it was a type of neglect, uh, you know, conversation-wise, et cetera, and, and just got him walked away from the table, which was wrong. But... It touched his heart, you know, and I told him, I said, I'm a minister, and I just come from church. I said, you know, I had a chance to make this right, and I wanted to make it right. If people, and I'm not tooting my horn or saying, whoopee me, I, you know, no, that has nothing to do with it. I'm just telling you, every day we're faced with circumstances and situations. Some things we can make right, some things we can't. And, and that's the difference, I believe, and people whose lives stay in disarray, and people whose lives seem to be fulfilled, content, uh, placid, peaceful, and others, man, they, they just they live in a hurricane twenty four seven. You you've got to you know uh, stop. You, you just got to stop and get reorganized and say I've I've got to get control of my life. Sin will take your life. And, I mean, dispose of it in the most sordid ways that you could ever imagine. You know, uh, I've, I've talked to people that would say, I, I, I never believed I would get in this situation. I would never get in this type of chaos. Sin is chaotic. Look, if you can't look at the, the, our president, our nation, the world, our Congress, our Senate, I mean, some of the most asinine people that would dare say, I'm a United States senator. Well, you're an idiot. You, you know, you, you, these people are so so unqualified, it begs description. But yet they think they're qualified. The dignity, they, they, they debase everything in life anymore. And, and why, 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 why does that happen? Sin. Sin debases everything. It, it takes everything to a lower standard. It does, sin does not lift anything up. It does not make anything better. It only makes things worse. 
and, 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 and people don't understand, the more sin that gets into their lives, the worse their lives become. I mean, I know. I, I was in such terrible shape uh, before I came back to the Lord. I mean, man, the devil was beating me, you know, to death. I mean, it was one anomaly, one aberration, one problem. DUI, locked up, jail. I mean, just you name it. It's just constant, you know. And 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 that's what sin does to you. Sin, it it it, it takes the the common sense out of your mind. It just it looks like it doesn't even exist. And as I said about the prodigal, he came to himself, he came to his senses, and he said, I'm, I'm not worthy to be called uh, my father's son. I'll just go home and ask him to, to make me a servant. But see, when the father saw him coming, he said, my son, who I thought was dead, is alive. He said, kill the fatted calf. He was barefooted. He said, put shoes on his feet. That's how poor, that's how poor and destitute he had become. He was barefooted. He said, get a ring, put it on his hand, and let's make merry for my son who I thought was dead is alive. Because he understood what his son had gone and done. He'd went into a life of riotous living. And it, 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 to think, he went from a, a beautiful home and family to the hog pen. That's, that's where the devil wants everyone listening tonight, in the hog pen. I, I don't say this to be condescending, I don't say this to be judgmental, but when you see people like our president, all of these things coming up, you know, porn stars, playboy girl, playgirls, all of this junk, you know, the the the, the audio on the bus. This is this this is you reap what you sow. I, I, you can get saved tonight, but you sowed all of that stuff. That's why the Bible said in Galatians six and seven, "Be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth." That shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. David, the psalmist, sowed to his flesh. He sowed corruption, and he reaped corruption. All the killing, the rape, Tamar was raped by Amnon, all of this stuff. This is, this is, this is the reaping the corruption had he never murdered and committed adultery, he would not have that three. But I tell everybody, and I know time's all but gone tonight, start sowing godly, righteous seed as quickly as you can. Because that's the sooner you start sowing it, the sooner you're going to start reaping it. But the longer you stay in the cesspool of sin, you're going to reap nothing but corruption. Your body starts acting weird. You go to the doctor, and he says, uh-huh. Sorry, you got HIV. Sorry, you got hepatitis C. Drugs, shooting dope, illicit uh, relationships. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm talking to a lot of people tonight for some reason. The Holy Spirit is being very pointed tonight. You got to get off of that train. You got to get off of that train and stop it. And, and say, God, I, I got to get my life in order. I'm tired of the disorder. Satan is a master at chaos, and he wants every one of our lives to be chaotic and out of disorder. That's why when when the when Satan rebelled in Genesis one and one, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. 
This is what Satan did, the obliteration of the cosmos, the vicissitudes, everything in the universe changed because this this unfathomable war between God, good, and evil, and what God had created in the beginning was now void, without form, and dark. And that's the path that Satan seeks. But then the Bible said, and the Spirit of God began to move upon the face of the waters. And what was the first thing? And there was light. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good. When the light comes back on in your brain, you can see you're in the darkness, and you'll do something about it. That's the office of the Holy Ghost, to turn the light back on on your mind and your heart, your spirit. Say, hey, you're in a dark place, but I'm turning the light on to get you out so you can see to get out and start living like you ought to live. Amen. So I don't Amen. know why I went that way tonight, Doug. I do. I do. Well, okay. I, I, I'm telling you, Pastor, I, well, I just, I do. Thank you. Praise for the Lord. Message. Praise the Lord. That's Hey, that's all that matters. You know, you know that God is speaking to people's hearts, and thank you for allowing me to, to share the word with the people. Uh, because well, it does make a difference. As I read that letter last week, it does make a difference. And I know, I know people out there. I, I know people out there listening tonight need needed that message. Thank you for that, Pastor. Well, and, thank you. And it, all they need to do is wow. find them a place to pray. Just ask God. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And that's the that's the starting of reconciliation and getting your life straightened out. And it will get better. And there'll be some hard times, some hard knocks. But it will soon turn around. It, it really will. Thank you for allowing me to, to minister tonight. Pastor, thank you for all of the preparation that went into the, this this sermon tonight. Uh, wow. Home run, Grand Slam. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Praise you, Pastor. God. Everyone have a blessed week, and thank you so much, Doug and Joe. Good night. Thank you. Right. Thevoiceofevangelism.com. That, that's where Pastor David Langford is. And you, and you know what? Um, do me a favor. To those people listening, and if you did get something out of it, please send them an email. Just go to thevoiceofevangelism.com, send them an email, and tell them how much he means to you, how much his message means to you. Because, you know, in this time, look at the chaos. Just look around. Turn on, turn on the news. Look at Drudge. Look at whatever. Folks, it's chaos. But you know, what separates, in my view, what separates our platform from others is that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, well, by the way, I just, Joe, I want to thank you. I want to thank uh, John, who's uh, will be coming back from the West Coast. Harry, uh, uh, he'll, he'll be back in next week. I want to thank you for, for, uh, uh, Carrying the load during our absence, uh, Eric, the tech, and myself, we were in D.C. Uh, I don't know, what, three days now. I guess this is a day back. Um, and I my show will be back. This. Yeah, my uh, show will be back tomorrow morning. Uh, to, to, I got a couple of emails. It'll be back in the morning. Go ahead, sir. I, I just want to say this. It was a really weird when on Monday and Tuesday, nobody in studio. No one in studio. That's and, right. And it was, you know, peaceful. But I, I tell you, I, I found myself before the show so bored. I couldn't explain. Bored. That. And then also, with nobody in the studio. Bored. There were, there were, it was nerve wracking. Yeah. It was weird. Look I, I at the know. news. Uh, no, I, I know the, I know the feeling. It's, uh, 
it's the it's anticipation of the showtime. Yeah, you know, you know what, folks? Until you until you live it, you just don't quite know what it is, and, and that's uh, the message tonight. Thanks to all of our guests. Thank you, all of our listeners. Thanks, everyone Todd. who, everyone who's uh, yeah, Todd, everyone who supported us. Thank you so very much. May God bless.